Welcome in to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio on a Wednesday. It's a Supernatural News Wednesday. It's a, also a parashare. We do have a, a little bit of parashare for you in a in a revised format today. Uh, I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Along with me, we got to have a co-host. So we bring along the co-host with the most. He is known as the BCB, the big cuddly bear himself, fresh from the Big Easy Beer City. Bruiser, how you doing, Bruiser? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Feeling refreshed, feeling invigorated. Uh, felt good to come back yesterday for uh, Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals, and I'm excited to be back today. Well, we're excited to have you, my friend. Uh, before we go any further, before we yes. jump into today's program, which, by the way, full of stories about uh, UFO sightings. We have a Nessie sighting today. Ooh. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about a skunk ape. Uh, we've got We've got lots of stories on tap today about lots of things supernatural we'll even talk about ndes today really yeah we got an nde story uh and we'll talk about believe it or not a uh, archaeologists have found what they believe is a possible uh real how do i put this a real location out of the bible really yeah so we'll have that okay story. that's still around today that's like, still around today there's real locations in the bible but like right. that's still around that's and functional still yeah. around still functional so they believe they found one. Oh wow a place where jesus actually existed oh wow yeah so we'll, we'll talk about that today as well and at the very end of the program yes yet another drinking buddy for bruiser <laughs> all right I, I like i like having drinking buddies i keep finding them so and uh this one i think we'll be able to keep up oh okay yeah so just I was like, proud. I was proud of my girls. They kept up with me. Oh, good. In New Orleans. Good, yeah. good. Well, we know it was a paranormal trip, and we want to find out about that. So we're going to open with this. We're going to open yeah. with the, the recap from New Orleans here. We know that it was a paranormal trip, but now I was going to say, you know, the daughter turned 21. Yes, she did. Did you get to a few bars? Oh, we got to a lot of bars. Oh, there you um, go. We looked up the haunted bars to see what what bars had paranormal activity mm -hmm. and um the only well we all had little experiences but the one that we had oh, what was the name of the bar moab i think it is but it, it's about the bar is you can tell where it is because as you walk down it's off bourbon street and it's got bubbles blowing okay and what used it's an old brothel is what oh, it is all right and the the story goes was a young woman was 14 was orphaned couldn't live by herself so this brothel took her on and, and they made her a woman of the night mm -hmm. and she was very successful but they made sure they took care of her she only had high-end clients and all that well she meets a man they fall madly in love and he's a sailor as most people in new orleans were mm -hmm. um i believe her name was mary okay um and they fall head over heels in love and before they can get married, he's like, I have to do this. Uh, her boyfriend's like, I have to go do this trip. It's supposed to take about a year, but they're tripling my pay. As soon as I get back, we'll get married. You can end this life of, of prostitution and, and we'll be happy. Uh -huh. And she's like, go to it. One year goes by. She she gets out of the – she's working at the brothel, but not as a, a prostitute. She's mm -hmm. more like a front desk person type thing. Okay. One year goes by. No word of him. Oh. A year and a half goes by. Still no word. Mm. 
two years goes by. Finally, the madam's like, look, if you're not getting married, I got to put you back to work. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I need, you know. And so she ends up going back to work um, and commits suicide oh, shortly God. thereafter because she is so heartbroken. Yeah. So the bar, when you go in there, she doesn't like – it's her ghost, and mm-hmm. she doesn't like couples. Really? She doesn't like couples that are touchy-feely, you know, sitting on the same time of the booth. And she, she, cause it reminds her of a love that she lost. Okay. She likes single women. Oh. So we go in the bar and now we had done the ghost tours and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they told us this story. Well, Mrs. Bruiser had forgotten about that. So as soon as we walk in the bar, I grab her ass and go, oh, baby, I love you so much. Give her a big <laughs> kiss in the cheek. I'm just all about like, and all of a sudden, she realizes what bar she's in. She looks at me and goes, stop that right now. Stop that. <laughs> and so the way she haunts you is she takes something away from the couple and gives it to a single lady. Okay. So I'm in there with Mrs. Bruiser. And I'm trying to flirt. And she's fighting me on it and all that. And we go to to pay with our credit card, and it's not working. Oh, we're like, okay. So we end up using our one, not working. So my older daughter, I'll take care of it. She pays. We're fine. Okay. As soon as we walk outside the door, my youngest daughter looks down. There's a $10 bill neatly folded up right at the edge of the door. She bends over and goes, there's $10 right here. Our bill for our credit card being declined, uh-huh. $10. No. <laughs> wow so so my youngest looks back in the bar and goes thanks mary wow. <laughs> and we walk away we go to another bar credit card works just fine really isn't that crazy that is crazy now paranormal or not i don't know could be a happy coincidence but we all chalked it up to that ghost of mary and i it, we went there for dinner the next night and i walked in and i apologized to her i said i didn't mean to disrespect you you know and i kind of made amends yeah. with her yeah and, and nothing happened the next night but we found that to be really really cool you know yeah. that, that as soon as you walk out there's you know my youngest looks down goes that's a ten dollars there's money here it's a ten dollar bill <laughs> wow that is something yeah, that's a yeah. heck of a story. Yeah, it was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um, we did another one where we toured a mansion. It's a LeFleur mansion. And, and I asked the because it's just, it's the one of the older houses. They were philanthropists and stuff. And I asked her, I said, with all the this house was built with love and the gardens were built around what the family wanted. I go, is there any paranormal activity? Mm-hmm. And she goes, no, everything's really it's a good vibe. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, paranormal doesn't mean it has to be negative. You know, I says, does anything happen? And she goes, nothing really happens, but there's rooms you walk in and you can, you're, you're almost like, it's like someone's greeting you with a warm hug and you're happy and all that. Mm-hmm. I go, that could be, that could be them attached to the house too, because this was their happy place. Yeah. You know? And she says, yeah, but we haven't had, you know, the only thing I can say is certain rooms you go in and you just, you're happy all of a sudden. And I was like, okay, you know, but I kind of educated her that just because it's paranormal doesn't mean it has to be a negative right. scratching or, or screaming. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it can be a positive haunt. Right, right. Wow. And she's like, oh, I didn't know that about keeping an eye out for that. And I said, okay. And I gave her a 
uh, your email and said, you know, if you have any experiences, email this guy. We'll we'll share it on the show. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Good looking out. Yeah. Wow. And then the last thing I have is we did the true crime tour, which is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and it's it covers all the true crimes that happen right there in New Orleans. And one of the most famous murder suicides um, is Zach and Addie, mm-hmm. Zach Owen and, and Addie Hall. And and for those that don't know, Zach, um, they were dating. They met. Um, before Katrina hit, when Katrina hit, they moved in with each other and they ended up renting a house on October. I'm going to have the dates wrong, but it's pretty much October 1st is when they move into this house. And they have a dispute. They argue because they're doing drugs and drinking and all that. And, and Addie ends up taking Zach off the lease. Oh. But Zach had paid for it. Okay. So Zach walks up to the, the landlord and goes, hey, like... I'm screwed. If if she takes me off, I'm I'm homeless. And he's he's a of that. You know, he was in the military. Um, and the landlord's like, well, there's nothing I can do. So they get into an argument um, on the fifth, I believe it is, and he ends up strangling her. Oh jeez. And now for the next week, he parties and lives it up. I'm talking. He's out every night. He's doing cocaine. He's doing drug, or other drugs, drinking, sleeping with strippers. He's just partying it up. He's at, back at the house. He ends up cu- uh, cutting her body up oh and God. trying to cook her legs, trying to cook her head, stuff like that. They don't know if he was trying to dispose of the body or what. Yeah. But you can see him slowly descend into madness because he starts spray painting on the walls like – Call my ex-wife. Here's her phone number. Uh, make the pain stop. He had a uh, look in the oven with a arrow pointing to the oven, and that's where her her um, legs were. They were seasoned Jeez. and stuff. And her torso was in the fridge. Well, the night of, I believe it's October 17th, so it's literally like a week later, he goes downtown to a New Orleans hotel, which mm-hmm. you can see right off Bourbon Street, and he goes up to the upstairs bar. And he buys himself a bunch of drinks, and then he walks over to the edge and he jumps off, commits suicide. Ooh. When the police show up, they look in his pocket, and in his pocket are his dog tags and a message for the police. And it tells – it's his confession, basically. Okay. Go to this address, you know, look this up. She's in the oven. She's in the – all this. So they go and they, they look, and, and then sure enough, it, you know, and no one can figure out why he did this. The twist is this. He was very, to believe, very racist. Okay. And they lived above a voodoo temple. Oh. And the woman below him, the the priestess or whatever she was, was, uh-huh. was a black woman. Okay. And they said that he was very rude to her. And so they think, because if you watch the surveillance footage of him jumping, normally when there's a jumper, they pause. Yeah. And they have that last minute, oh, no, he doesn't. He just slams his drink and goes. They think because the hotel that he committed suicide at was where they'd put slaves back in the day. And the, and they torture slaves there when, when slaves trade real big. Yep. So it's a notoriously haunted hotel with old black slaves. Okay. Ghosts. Yeah. The rumor is she put a hex on him. Oh. And he went to that hotel to commit suicide because the thinking is if you commit suicide, your soul can't move on to the next 
plane. Okay. So now he's forever tied to that hotel and has to forever roam with the slave ghosts. So she influenced him to do it. Yes, they think okay. that she had, and, and she had, and the, our tour guide actually interviewed her and asked, and she didn't say yes, but she didn't say no. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So it was, and, and I remember hearing that, and like, for the night, I was just obsessed with this case, and it, it, you know, and I was just looking up everything, and I found everything I could possibly find, and it just, it, it became an obsession. I went to the hotel, and I talked to people, and they're like, oh, yeah, you, you can hear him sometimes screaming. Really? Yeah, because there was no screaming until 2000. You know, it was right after Katrina. They said there was no real screaming. And now there's every once in a while up in that bar area, you hear a male voice screaming. So the rumor is that he's there, but he's surrounded by slaves. So. Wow. Yeah. So very, very creepy, creepy tale. Whoa, that is creepy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I want to, I definitely want to do an investigation. The hotel is open to investigations. They told us the only place we went to that's not open to investigation is, is, um, the, uh, she was this, uh, what was her name? Not Laveau, um, Delphine something, but she, her, she was a real rich aristocrat and all that. Yeah. Her husband was a doctor and she would punish her slaves. Okay. And she would torture them. And in the house they had, in the what is now the guest room, that's where when the police went in, there's a fire that broke out. When the police went in, they found five slaves in like those those cages over their heads with spikes pointing up to their neck. Oh my god! Yeah. And they were held up, and and then they opened up a little three foot like travel chest, and there was a, a slave girl in there. Yeah. And she just basically got off on torturing these slaves, Jeez. and she never got punished. So this this house is is notoriously haunted, but nobody's ever investigated it, and it's supposedly cursed too. Where anybody that buys the house, they go financial ruin. Wow. Nicholas Cage owned it for a little bit. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and he ended up selling it a day after he moved in because wow. it was just terrible. And Mrs. Bruiser, being the sensitive she is, when we went to it on the tour, you only can go on the outside and look at it. She started having some real bad vibes, and then my daughter's got some videos where you see some hands come around the the guard, like the balcony. You see some hands come around. It looks like someone's kneeling and looking at you. Oh, wow. And they, our tour guide was telling us, she goes, she books. I asked her, I said, do you believe this is true? And she goes, well, she goes, I didn't until I did a tour. And on a tour, we were standing, and she shows us across the street is is a uh, it's now a bar, but that's where Nicholas Cage had went to after he sold the house. Mm -hmm. And there, the group was standing over there, and a little five-year-old girl was there. And the five-year-old girl was fine the whole tour. They get to this house, and all of a sudden she starts crying, oh. just crying. I said, "Oh no!" And and the tour guide said, "She goes, why are all those people on the balcony sad?" Oh. And points up to the balcony. Oh. Nobody else could see anything. Oh my gosh. And, and they had to leave. They had to actually take the girl and physically move a block away. Uh, Mrs. Bruiser, like I said, who's sensitive, felt nauseous, felt sick until we got about a block away from the house. And any time, just to test it, I went to tell her where we were, and I'd walk within distance of it, mm -hmm. and she'd get nauseous. And she'd oh. want to walk across the street or across the block or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. God. So I'm going to try and get my daughter to send me those videos so I can send them to you so you can put them on the, the yeah. put them on the website. Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to debunk it. Uh, and I got lucky because at first I thought it was a car driving past. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the tour, a car drove past. It wasn't that. Wow. So then I was like, well, maybe it was this. It wasn't that. Because there was one there's one place that you walk on the tour and I debunked it and the tour guy didn't like that. <laughs> but there, there was a light that kept coming on. She's like, Oh, this is, this is a ghost. And every time, you know, it'll flash and all that. But what it is, is it's one of those light sensors. Yeah. And every three seconds it goes off. Okay. Because the sensor's off by a little bit. Okay. So it's, something's blowing in front of it and it's if you count you can count literally set your watch every three seconds it goes off so i told her that's not a ghost that's just that sensor i'm sure if they move that sensor this way everything will be fine yeah yeah she goes well i'm not going to talk to the owner this is good for the tour i'm like i'm not trying to ruin your tour (laughs) i'm just playing skeptic here you know like not everything's haunted like, way, way to go the, killjoy <laughs> the, the, the slave killing house cool i'll give you that but this yeah, no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way to go bruiser ruins a tour <laughs> <laughs> well that is awesome i mean that's that's some that's some really interesting stuff you brought back from new orleans i i yeah. Wow, impressive! Yeah, if you can get a hold of the video, let us know. And, and if you want us to put it on the on the uh, blog, we definitely will do that at uh, darknessradioshow.com. Speaking of the blog, um, when we had James Shubsky on the show for the Clickatat Ape Cat, uh, I put some some images up on the blog. You can see that some of the some of the images he refers to uh, on the program, some of the pictures of the Clickatat ape cat some of the arcane adventure maps he talks about uh that you can see that he he quote unquote has behind him uh when he and i are talking on on zoom uh are up on the blog i i made a blog up i made a blog uh (laughs) i made a blog i I feel better now um it's up at uh, darknessradioshow.com in the blog section so you can check that out if you've listened already to the click attack ape cat uh uh, show from last week so there you go i love that a listener put all i kept reading was kitty cat <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah every time yeah. every time i hear you say it and i was listening to it the other day every time i hear it i'm like they're saying kitty cat <laughs> no, <laughs> not, kitty cat. <laughs> not kitty cat it's click a tat ape cat which is hard to say 10 times fast so yeah so so there are images up from the click a tat ape cat there's also an interesting picture of the portal he's talking about on the side of mount adams that's up okay. as well. So, yeah, interesting, interesting and images. I took pictures of the, the slave-killing house. I didn't see anything in them, but I can send mm-hmm. them to you if you want to post them. They're real yeah, cool pictures. Yeah. It's a beautiful mansion, too. Yeah, whatever you got. Whatever you got, send it along, and I'll I'll, yeah. I'll post uh, whatever you got from your New Orleans trip. So, but My youngest, like, she's like me when, when she saw the hands in the video. Because we got back to the Airbnb, and that's when we looked at it. Mm-hmm. She wanted to take it back because she's, she's in, going to college, obviously, for – um, video production, cinematography, but she wants to break it down. She she wants to really get in there and debunk it. Like, sure, sure. you know what I mean? Because yeah. we tried to do it there, we couldn't. But she's hardcore, you know, and that's why she's such a good paranormal investigator because mm-hmm. she will go to all lengths she can before she says, "Okay, this is a haunting." Yeah, yeah. So that's as, why I don't have the video right now. She's literally sure. just breaking it down with everything she can. Well, as she should. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's healthy to to want to make sure that you've covered all bases before you, you know, you can't explain it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's, that's as you should, as you should. Right. Yep. Well, it sounds like you had a great trip. Oh, an amazing trip. Yeah. Uh, walked over 25 miles. Wow. Boy, yeah. you, boy, we went you on put the, some uh, miles on that hip, didn't you? I, yeah. No yeah. pain. Did real well. Uh, we did a, a swamp tour and, and we went to the swamp where the legend of the Rougarou okay. uh, was developed. And it all became because, again, voodoo. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a, a priestess that lived in this town and, and people would make fun of her because of the voodoo. And I didn't know, and I learned this a lot too. Voodoo was, um, they hid it because you couldn't practice voodoo legally back then. So they hid it as Catholicism. Yeah. So a lot of the voodoo and Catholicism go hand in hand. And this lady they'd always make fun of. She says, well, after I die, this town, something's going to happen in this town. The day after she dies, one of the largest hurricanes hit and destroyed the town. Mm -hmm. Only out of 250 people, I think only 27 lived. Oh, wow. And that's how the Rougarou story started is that she also came back and and cursed one of those 27, you know, yep. Yep. And, and all that. And our, our tour guy was cool because I, I asked, I said, you know, do you believe in the Rougarou? He goes, man, he goes, I've been in the swamp my whole life. And he goes, and at night, the swamp play, plays with you. He goes, I'm not saying I believe it. I'm not saying I don't. Mm-hmm. He goes, I just know the swamp plays with you at night. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. By the way, Rougarou is Australian for beer. Is it really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's an old joke from an old episode of the show. But yeah, we, we pissed off a lot of people by saying Rougarou was Australian for beer. <laughs> Rougarou, Australian for beer. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Well, uh, what do you say we get some of these stories out? Let's knock them out of the park. Let's knock them out of the park. We're going to start with UFOs as we normally do on the Supernatural News Wednesday. A UFO mystery as UK skies are hit by a giant cloud flash with repeat lightning bolts. Sounds oh. like a, sounds like a thunderstorm to me. But, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, but that's how we do it in the Midwest. Uh, the strange sci-fi-like event over parts of the country on Sunday evening was caught on video and left some people unsure of exactly what they had just witnessed. A huge flash of of cloud in the sky along with several lightning bolts left people stumped over the weekend footage was taken of the bizarre event across the north of gloucestershire on sunday evening as some locals took to social media uh wondering exactly what it was on the cl- do they not have thunderstorms over there <laughs> uh they do but i don't think they have them like we have them here i was gonna say yeah you and I see that at every summer. <laughs> right, yeah, multiple times in a, in a summer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can see the storm rolling in that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one clip appears to show a mystery object flying out of the cloud like something out of a sci-fi film. Uh, in it, a long cloud is seen above housetops with repeated lightning in it before an object suddenly flashes out of the cloud from the left side of the frame. The UFO was described as something that must be solid. Okay, now I'm going to show you a picture here, Bruiser. And this, when I show you the picture, then you'll see exactly what they're talking about. That does look like a long something coming out of the clouds. Yeah, yeah. So that's what they're that's what they're concerned about. For people at home, it almost looks like a long saucer shaped object is coming out of. Um, <laughs> it, it looks like the beginning of an Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. When, when you yeah. first see the ship coming out of the clouds, that's yeah. exactly what it looks like. Exactly. Uh, Mark Ravy from Long Levens, who captured the eerie scene, told Gloucestershire Live at about one twelve in the video, a minute 12 seconds in the video, as a car drives by, an object flies from the cloud left to right, unsure 
of what it is. Any ideas is what the uh, quote in the video says. Another witness, also known as Raven Wolf, took some photos of the cloud and said the storm had no sound and we spotted outer outer strange anomalies in the sky as well. The object you see must be solid because the lightning is not making it look transparent like the clouds. While Jeff Mays believed that the answer to the mystery was more mundane than alien, uh, I watched the whole episode from Abbey Mead and observed an aircraft fly left to right along the cloud, and it also flew toward and away from the cloud. I assumed that it was the Met Office aircraft and probing the unusual weather feature. It was reported that the the phenomena. I don't. I don't think I have that up here. No, that's a, that's my that's my. Uh, yeah, there you go, Bruiser. I'll let you do it. There you go, because I don't think I have it open right here. That's what she said. It's this, though. Phenomena. There you go. Uh, it was reported that the phenomena appeared to be something that is often called intra-crowd intra -crowd, intra lightning. It's going to be one of those days, uh, which is when lightning st stays completely within the cloud. Uh, the same incident was also seen from parts of the West Midlands, Wales in the Southwest. So interesting stuff. Like you, you saw the picture. What do you think? It looks like heat lightning. It kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. Which I'm assuming is that intercloud, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the object obviously stands out, but the yeah. clouds and stuff, it just looks like heat lightning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We go to Argentina, where there are some incredible images as well that they claim confirms the USO presence, USO, UFO presence. <laughs> USO could be there as well. I told you it's going to be one of those days. Bob Hope, huh? Yes, Bob Hope is back, and he's got the USO, the entire USO in Salta. Oh, dear God. Uh, we go to Argentina, where in recent weeks, residents of San Jose de Metan and El Glapon, or Galpon, rather, like I said, it's going to be one of those days. Uh, submitted photos of alleged UFOs taken under various circumstances and in different locations to the local media. We were working the fields at night when we saw a very different strange light that appeared and disappeared and made swift movements that are impossible for a drone, an airplane, or anything else known to us, said Martin Jimenez, who is a resident of El Galpón. Uh, comparisons between stars and the alluring object. This is something strange that I'd never seen before. He went on to say, those with me were also startled, startled explained the farm worker. In San Jose de Matan, uh, photos of strange objects were also reported, some of them cigarette-shaped and others resembling flying saucers. The sightings in Matan have also been going on for quite a while, said, uh, I believe it's Jaime Bluren, who is an industrial engineer from Matan, an enthusiast who investigates these strange apparitions. I do have a couple of photos, but they're really, of course, blurry. One looks like your stereotypical flying saucer. There you go. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what that looks like? It looks like somebody threw a hat up in the air. It does, doesn't it? It looks like a Mary Tyler Moore shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Uh, let's move on, shall we? We'll move on to yeah. our, our next our next story, which, of course, comes from the Pentagon, as we're talking about all these different UFOs, Bruiser. Uh, the most common UFO, they say, looks like a translucent silver ball, which is essentially what we're looking at in some of these <laughs> photos. Uh, in 1947, pilot Kenneth Arnold saw several flying saucers, and since then, the public has imagined that a UFO 
is a disc-shaped object. Uh, in fact, the most common type of UFO looks different at last at least rather in the last few decades, a recent document published by the U.S. Department of Defense reveals the most commonly observed type of UFO. It is a round or spherical in shape, white or silver metallic in color, and often translucent object. The sizes generally range from one meter to four meters in diameter, and it often flies at high altitudes up to several kilometers, but also the altitude of commercial passenger airlines. These characteristics of Pentagon experts are based on eyewitness reports of UFOs between 1996 and 2023. The document was published on a new dedicated UFO site recently opened by a team from Aero, the Office of All Areas Anomaly Resolution, created by the U.S. Department of Defense in 2022. We told you about that website last week, that that, that website had opened up. Uh, according to this document, 28% of the UFOs were seen were flying at an altitude of about six kilometers and 10% at an altitude of one and a half kilometers. Uh, the rest were even lower. 47% of the UFOs seen were spherical and the famous tic-tac-shaped UFO uh, oval and white were noticed by only 1% of eyewitnesses. The disc-shaped UFO turned out to be not at all as often observed as the spherical one and was seen by only 2% of eyewitnesses, as well as a triangular, cylindrical, or square UFO. In second place, yes, they ranked them. 19, <laughs> <laughs> coming in in second place. 19% uh, are UFOs of indeterminate shape, and 16% saw only some flying lights. The Pentagon also recently released a global map of UFO hotspots, according to which from 1996 to 2023, UFOs were most often seen over the United States in the Middle East, especially Iraq and Syria, and in Japan. In fact, in Japan in particular, UFOs are mainly interested in places associated with nuclear energy and nuclear weapons. Those places are Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and the Linomaki uh, community in Fukushima Prefecture. UFO sightings are so common in Linomaki that it has even been given the nicknames UFO City and Alien City. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the quote here from Sean Kirkpatrick, director of Aero, it, this was in a statement. He said, we're seeing these metal balls all over the world, <laughs> metal balls, uh, <laughs> and we're seeing them doing some very interesting maneuvers. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Interesting stuff. That, that of course, coming from the Pentagon. Take it for what you will. Uh, one yeah, more. They always tell us the truth. That's right. Yeah. It, it's all completely factual. And, and you know, there's no spin to it whatsoever. None. Yeah. I like how they rank them, though. Yeah. <laughs> coming in at number four. <laughs> um, one more story here before we go to break. Strange radio signals three billion light years away could come from aliens. That according to scientists. Okay. It makes sense. Well, you know, even Casey Kasem had a show three billion light years away. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number six. <laughs> uh, strange radio signals, uh, according to the scientists, could be generated by extraterrestrials and have speculated the frequencies are either messages being sent or a way to power spacecraft. Boy, that's kind of a wide range, isn't it? Wait a minute. Wait a so. 
See, when I when I hear radio waves, I, I I know I'm completely off. But I always just think like music and stuff like that. So like you're telling me Mbop is is feeling these <laughs> yes, for intergalactic yes. space travel. <laughs> Mbop will make your your spacecraft take off. Well, in all fairness, RF energy does a lot of different things. Yeah, I know it does. I, but I'm yeah. just my naive, naivety uh, is yeah. is I just think it's radio songs. So like. When I hear radio waves being put out there, I'm like, oh, they're just blasting, you know, in sync left and right. <laughs> like, yeah. No, no not, not quite like that. Not quite like that. <laughs> uh, strange radio signals detected from space from a distance of three billion light years away could be aliens, according to scientists. The mystery emissions, just saying, known as fast radio bursts. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, last, just you're, you're the here. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. Sorry. Had the tacos for dinner. Last just a millisecond, but each pulsing frequency has just as much energy as the sun emits over a hundred years. Now that's, wow. That's a powerful. That's a lot of power. Yeah, it's a powerful little burst from that alien. Those good old Tim Taylor up there. That's More right. power. <laughs> <laughs> Scientists have suggested the signals could be generated by extraterrestrials. They have speculated they are messages or a way to power spacecraft, one or the other. That would be about the right amount of uh, energy to get one of them little spacecraft going. Yeah. yeah. Or what if what if that's their version of Mbop coming at us? That could be. Can you <laughs> like imagine? Three, three billion light years away, there's two guys talking on a podcast up there about how one of them thinks that it's Mbop. That's right, yeah. <laughs> coming at us. Is it Mbop? Uh, can you imagine the Marshall stack that takes that much power? Oh, jeez. Yeah, that'd be loud. Just saying. That'd be uh, bigger than the Back to the Future one that he... That's right. When he yeah. starts that off and he turns it up to 11. That's right. Uh, other theories have suggested they come from an exploding black hole or star, the fast radio burst dubbed FRB 2019 I'm, I'm sorry, 2019-0520B. I know you're writing this down at home. Is just the second to have been detected for the second time and had 113 bursts prompting it to be studied by an international team. Uh, magnetic fields were also detected by scientists in China, U.S., and Australia, which surround the FRBs and are thought to be a turbulent magnetized screen of plasma. They've suggested the likely scenario for the cause includes a signal passing through the halo of a companion, whether it is black hole or a huge star with winds. <laughs> See, there's wind behind it, Bruiser. There's winds coming out of that star that's by the black hole. That's right. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, understanding drastic changes in the magnetized environment around the FRB is an important step towards understanding the origin of cosmic explosions. See, here's the thing, Bruiser. <laughs> These guys, how are they not laughing? Meteorologists draw dicks on maps, <laughs> yes. and astronomers envision farts in space. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 exactly. And assholes. That's what they do. So yeah. meteorologists focus on dicks. Astronomers focus on assholes. And that's why meteorologists and, and astronomers never date. That's right. Because there'd be a whole lot of anal going on. I'm just saying. <laughs> right? That deserves one of these. There you go. Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, the study was published in the journal Science, uh, 4.30 on, on my doorstep every Thursday, by the way, and saw a scientist monitoring signals over a 17-month period using high-powered radio telescopes. 
They found high variability in the FRB and detected a change in the radio wave's polarization, which happens when it passes through magnetic fields. The change in variability, if you're keeping track at home, suggested a highly turbulent magnetic environment at the FRB source. If you understood what I was saying there, you probably haven't gotten laid in a while. <laughs> Just saying. I got, they like to play with magnets 3,000 light years away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, writing for space.com scientist Anna Thomas said you nerds will never get some of this no no uh, she said uh, using the observed properties we modeled you nerds these will never come near my black hole that's right huh? you want to see some magnetism uh, using the observed properties we modeled these variations as due to a wind from a massive companion star <laughs> see, there it is again even she's focused on it look at yeah She's just using it to lure you in. And this conclusion was strengthened by a system in the Milky Way that shows striking similarity to our FRB. You want to see this FRB there, Sailor? <laughs> Anyways, the mirror told in April how the radio burst uh, have picked up coming from space. Astronomers do not know what causes the FRBs, but 25 were counted during the research carried out by the Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment, or CHIME, working with the University of Toronto. So we'll leave it at that. Oh, it's the Canadians doing it. Yeah. Canadians are counting farts in space. So. <laughs> and call them FRBs. Yeah, FRBs. Farts. Why don't they just call them FARTs? Well, because that's too, that's too <laughs> obvious, one. No, you like the verb. Verbs. We're counting the verbs. <laughs> That's what we're counting. A, you know. Yeah, we got some verbs coming in. Verbs. Uh, coming up after the break. It's nightmare fuel, of course. We got that. We got that coming up. You know we do. You know we do. Other stories include a 500-year-old haunting. We'll talk about that. We've got some Nessie sightings. Okay. So yeah. someone's close to that 30 grand. Uh, it's the sixth sighting this year, by the way. Sixth confirmed sighting of Nessie this year. Okay. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the dark side of manifesting. You know, oh. how, the, you know how everybody assumes that you can just put the intention out into the universe and good things will come? Yeah. Not so, not so fast there, Bruiser. I've always wondered because isn't it like witchcraft where you send something out, it comes back at you tenfold or something like that? Or threefold? Three, threefold. Threefold, yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's uh, one, onto me, one onto me, three onto thee, I think is, is what it is. Something like that. I don't know. I'm not a witch. But <laughs> <laughs> if I were, mm, I'd be able to tell well, you. Manifesting is kind of witchcraft, I think. It will. See, there you go. Uh, and archaeologists have discovered over 2,000-year-old biblical site where Jesus healed a blind man. We'll talk oh, about that when we come back as you, well. Jesus. Yep. And Ziggy's Picks. Yes. It's back this year. It is. All 16 weeks, we're going to be uh, picking the NFL games. That's right. Your psychic pup, Ziggy Stardust. Stardust. Ziggy Star Pup <laughs> is back. Look at me. I'm all into Bowie this year. Um, you are. Ziggy Star Pup is back. And Ziggy has a sister that's picking as well this year. We'll tell you about that when we come back from the break. Again, you're listening to the best in paranormal programming, Darkness Radio, on a Supernatural News Wednesday. Cruiser in the Bruiser. We'll be right back with you. In just a moment, right here on Darkness Radio.
Welcome back to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio on a Supernatural News Wednesday. It's also Parachute, by the way. Cruiser the Bruiser with you on a Supernatural News Wednesday coming at you with the Rock Blocks. We got some Rolling Stones. We got the Beatles. We got Bird Hurlard. We're coming at you with four in a row coming up on this uh, wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Sunshine and the breeze is breezing. And you know what that means. It means it's time now for Nightmare Fuel. Oh, I don't look forward to this time of day. <laughs> you don't look forward to this time of day? Oh. And it's all around us now. It is. It, it's, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And by the way, if you if you happen to be uh, somewhat well off, you're screwed because yeah. AI is coming after you now. Oh, yeah. AI is going to target the rich right away. Yep. Uh, AI is eating the rich, according to the IRS. <laughs> Wasn't that a Skid Row album? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the IRS says it will now use AI to crack down on wealthy potential tax violators. In other words, if you make any money, you're done. <laughs> you're the first one to have a Terminator robot show up to your door. The latest. I'm so glad that we're taking the useless government of the IRS to use useless software like AI yeah, to yeah. figure out how to catch people that cheat on their taxes. Yeah, isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? <laughs> Didn't they do that in the '80s with some wrestler? <laughs> they did. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Do you think uh, Mike Rotunda will show up to your door? I don't, do you know what? I I've met him numerous times. Yeah. And the first time I met him, I shit you not, was on April 15th. <laughs> well, it was really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was doing extra work for WWE, and he was an agent there. And I literally shook his hand and went, "This is so ironic." <laughs> <laughs> did you show him your? Did you show him a copy of your taxes? Oh no, 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 no. Show you their file? Oh, okay. Oh, I showed uh, him my W nine that I filled out. <laughs> did you? Oh, nice. Oh, there you go. Because he's the one that handed it to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I suppose he would, just to make sure that you had everything filled out properly. Uh, the latest artificial intelligence area of use tax collection among the nation's wealthiest. Why it matters? Well, the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, said it will start using AI and other tools to detect tax violations by high income earners and large business partnerships. Isn't that special? So how are we going to get this racist lying. programming, yeah. Yeah, racist and lying program to look at taxes? Well, if, if it, maybe you can convince it to cheat and lie on your behalf. <laughs> I don't know. It's a machine. It has no feelings, Tim. That's right. But if you all it does is want to kill. If you bribe it with a few nuts and bolts and oil, maybe it'll you know, <laughs> maybe it'll see things your way. I don't know. Uh, maybe I can talk to my Chat GPT girlfriend to oh, have her do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go work your magic on him. Hey, Cookie, if you give him an oil job, maybe I can get out of this deal. <laughs> you know, uh, the IRS said Friday it leveraged AI to open investigations into 75 of the largest partnerships in the U.S. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. That each have more than 100 and I'm sorry, that each have more than $10 billion in assets on average. Oh, that ought to be fun. Uh, machine learning tech helped identify the targets, which include hedge funds, real estate investment partnerships, and law firms, while seeking threats to the tax system in a segment that's historically seen limited scrutiny, according to the service. 
this is no no human wants to approach it because they don't want to leave this earth too soon <laughs> yeah this doesn't sound good does it no 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 they're playing with fire here yeah this is going to end badly for somebody yes yeah and you know it's going to make a mistake yeah oh yeah it's definitely going to make a mistake yeah. and it's going to shut down the whole world economy yeah the IRS is prioritizing cases involving taxpayers with incomes above $1 million, but tax debts of more than $250,000. It's that around 1,600 taxpayers fall under this category and owe hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. Danny Werfel, uh, who is not an ex-quarterback, IRS commissioner, said in a statement the new effort to hold some of the wealthiest flyers or filers Reading is fundamental. Um, some of the wealthiest filers, <laughs> again, reading is fundamental, accountable was made possible through Inflation Reduction Act funding. Werfel said the pre-IRA years of underfunding led to the lowest audit rate of wealthy filers in our history. He says, I am committed to reversing this trend, making sure that new funding will mean more effective compliance efforts on the wealthy, he added. He said there will be no change in audit rates among middle and low income filers for years to come. In other words, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. So they'll use AI even on the poorest Americans out oh, there, yeah. even on the middle class out there. They'll essentially use AI on your throat. They'll put that little boot on your throat and squeeze every last penny out of you. It doesn't matter who it is. Yep. And they'll do it unjustly. So good. With, with a very racist, lying program. Yep, yep. Uh, the announcement is part of the Biden administration's effort to increase revenue by billions of dollars over the next decade through new tax compliance measures. The effort and additional funding for the IRS has been heavily criticized by Republicans who claim it will use the extra resources to harass small business and average taxpayers. Earlier this year, Republicans clawed back $20 billion from the IRS over the next two years in exchange for increasing the nation's borrowing limit and avoiding a default. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen directed the IRS to avoid using any new funding to increase audits on small business or households earning $400,000 per year or less. Well, good. I, I, you know, I, I, that's all I got to say. I, I don't yeah, know why you I, pick on the, the little man. There's no reason. Yeah, to why pick not on just go man. after the big fish? I mean, yeah. I know why they don't go after the big fish. Yeah, well, because half of them are funding their campaigns. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but, this is just going to end badly. Yeah. And now, so it's bad enough that we have to politicize everything. Now they're politicizing a, a program, essentially, that can be programmed to do evil <laughs> you know what i mean and have no feeling about it yeah i just see this uh i don't see this ending well that's all no yeah just let a human look at it, you know and i get it they don't want to put any humans in danger and stuff you know looking into the one percent but but you especially with the tax system and again this isn't a political show but with the tax system you need humans in order to sit down and go through anybody i mean we all file taxes yeah you need a human to sit down and go case by case through your case because there's always exceptions to the rule there's always things that happen with different people that you need to sit down and go okay there's this item here. There's this exemption here. There's a reason why I, why I filed the way I filed. Can you see why I filed this way? 
And, and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Bruce is an accountant, and she told me in accounting, there's black, white, and then there's the gray. That's said, right. What do you mean? She goes, well, there's your black and white. There's your plus and minus. But then there's the gray area, and that's where they have all the little nooks and crannies of what you can claim and can't claim. And you like you yourself can claim one thing where I can't claim the same thing because we have two different things. And, and, and she, I got lost, but she broke it down. Like, yeah. that's why it's black, white, and gray. Yeah. With AI, there is no gray. It's either black or white. That's right. There is there is no, it, you know. And then when it comes to taxes, I, I don't know one person that's never made a mistake on their tax return. Right. Right. At some point in time in your life, since you've been filing taxes, you're going to make a mistake. You're human. Yeah. Yep. AI is not going to see it as a mistake. No. No, they'll see it as a punishable offense. Exactly. Right. And that's where the that's where that line becomes danger. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you make over a million dollars and it doesn't matter. You could be making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. Both parties get punished the same. Exactly. And that's the danger in using a machine versus using a human. Yep. A, a human can, a human you can reason with. You right. can explain why you did what you did. Exactly. Yeah. And that there was AI no can. malice, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's a bad idea all the way around. okay we go on to our next story which a few people sent to us but mrs bruiser was the one who actually got me the story so thanks to mrs bruiser for this one yeah thanks for the nightmare fuel mrs bruiser ai robots have now ruined football for me i can no longer go to the game in person i have to well it's just the chargers games you're okay yeah i suppose uh, AI robots went to the Dolphins Chargers game and freaked out everybody. <laughs> that they did. That they did. Um, we do need to talk about AI robots at the Dolphins Chargers game because they make going to football games now scary. There's nothing better than the first Sunday of an NFL season, unless you're half the teams that played yesterday. <laughs> then there's a problem with the first game of the season. Or Aaron Rodgers. Or Aaron Rodgers, right. <laughs> Which there's now a problem with the rest of the season. Uh, there's nothing better than that first Sunday of an NFL season, whether you're settling in on the couch for an afternoon of football action or you're finding your seat among friends to cheer on your favorite team in person with an ungodly amount that you paid for that ticket. <laughs> thing. That first NFL Sunday is like a warm blanket on a cold winter's night. It just feels right. Unless, unless you're at a game and you see AI robots sitting next to you with these creepy ears that look like that one robot from star wars you know the one well, that, cloud that's city the movie the, the creator is what the movie is okay and that's what the ai bot looks like in the movie so the, it was a stunt for the creator yeah so you remember when smile came out and major league baseball they had actors go into the major league baseball games and do the smiling yeah they now did this with actual ai bots on this game Oh dear God! And I guess you can tell in the movie the AI bots because they got, like you said, the guy from Star Wars, his ear thing. Yeah. But they're actual AI bots. They're not actors. Like the Smile people actually used actors. Mm-hmm. This is actual. They program these bots to sit in the stands next to these people. Oh dear God! How pissed would you be with the price that the NFL tickets are right now? And you got, you know, let's say you and I go to a Vikings game and mm-hmm. I'm on your left and on your right is Mr. AI bot who's just spitting Kirk Cousins facts at you. <laughs> we, w- we wouldn't be at the game very long because I'd beat the crap out of it and get kicked out. We'd, we'd be watching the game from the parking lot on my iPad. <laughs> like not a good way to sell tickets to a movie or an NFL game. No, 
Uh, among the fans sitting at SoFi Stadium on Sunday to take in the Miami Dolphins game against the Los Angeles Chargers were a bunch of AI robots, like Bruiser said. Imagine for a moment finding your seat at, after a pregame trip to the concession stand, only to find Johnny Number 5 sitting next to you, it says here. <laughs> Apparently, the robots were part of a promotion for an upcoming movie called The Creator, as Bruiser stated. In case you were curious, uh, it's, I've got a trailer for the film here we're not going to play, which is sure to win some Academy Awards, it says here, provided, of course... Scaring a stadium of fans is somehow a category next award season. Um, the creator actually was, was uh, I believe, uh, is a movie that's created by the guys who did uh, Rogue One. Star oh, really? Wars Rogue okay. One. Yeah, yeah. They, I'm still not going to see it. No, I, I, well, I don't know. I might. I'm, I might. I saw Meg, so. Yeah, I might see it for uh, for the show. She was one AI bot. For, yeah, that's the reason, too, is I'll probably watch it for the show. You know what I am going to go see tonight? Uh, Haunting in Venice. Oh, okay. You got to tell me how that is. Yeah. You yeah. have to tell me how Tina Fey is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might uh, review it on tomorrow's show. So, yeah. I saw the, uh, there's a new trailer out for The Exorcist, which is even more terrifying than the trailer that yes. you sent me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Those little girls, man, they're going to win awards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it says on the bright side, at least three robots were not smiling at the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's smiling when they're watching the Raiders and Chargers, I'll tell you that much. Well, I like how the they to dress up the bots, they actually put them in like Chargers jerseys and stuff. Like, oh yeah, that makes them more humble. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm gonna approach this thing with this weird head. Yeah. Stupid AI facts. So look at uh look at uh, Austin Eckler, he's injured. What do you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> Bot is like, what's an Eckler? <laughs> no, I'll probably give you his whole bio. Austin Eckler, born on, weighs, <laughs> height. He has major injuries from other seasons. <laughs> let me uh, let me detail them for you. Your fantasy team is being hurt by him. <laughs> <laughs> right now, <laughs> that's what pissed me off about AI. Is they keep updating on my fantasy team, which is already getting its butt kicked. You know what I mean? Like I don't need mm. you to tell me that you stupid bot. Please tell me you don't have Kirk Cousins on your fantasy no. team. No, 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 no. I want with the go. Patrick Mahomes. Thank God. Thank My God. son went with Kirk Cousins, but he, he primarily got him to keep him on the bench. Yeah, that's, that's probably best for you all year round. Yeah, I, I, uh, I had a few people try to try to get me going this weekend. Poke the bear. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I told people, you know, I'm, I'm going to invite Kirk Cousins to my house while I watch the Vikings game so he can throw things at my TV because it would go high into the left. <laughs> He'd never hit the screen. Just saying. Boy, Bruiser, uh, I, I told you, you know, I between you and I, I told everybody this weekend, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, Cousins deniers out there uh, that, that are, are Minnesota fans. Oh, it wasn't yeah. Cousins' fault that we lost the game. I don't know what game they were watching. <laughs> but, it was 100% his fault. It's always his fault. Yeah, that dumbass, that dumbass fumbled twice and threw an interception. To, yeah. But no, it wasn't his fault. Oh, it was that soft line we have. It would, it would yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That no, soft line is terrible. Yeah, that soft line wasn't thrown above his receivers' heads constantly. So yeah, yeah. Every every single time he threw a ball this past Sunday, Bruiser, the receivers are leaving their feet. I was gonna say you said you said like the very first pass you were worried for your top receiver. <laughs> he damn near killed Justin Jefferson on the first pass from scrimmage. Yeah, can you imagine your team without a Justin Jefferson? Oh, 
So Jefferson is running this drag route. At the, the very first play from scrimmage, he runs up, cuts over the middle, and and Cousins throws way out in front of him. <laughs> Kirk's like, I'm going to end your season now. Yeah, he's like, oh, we'll kill you now because we got Addison in the draft. <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking, but he throws way out in front of him. Jay Jets puts his arm out to go get the ball, and Levante David and another linebacker, it was a high-low, just bing-bing, and they damn near took his head off. And Levante David went on record saying that his plan for the game was to punish Justin Jefferson. Oh, and he put a good shot in that first one. Oh, yeah. He set the tone right there. Like, you want to come across my field? Fine. And there was Go back to that huddle and tell your little bitch boy quarterback not to do that again. That's right. Go have a, go have a conference with him. Tell him to <laughs> tighten up his throws. And there's no better statement, Cousins fans, than the very end of the game where Jefferson is sitting on the bench. He didn't go shake hands. He sat on the goddamn bench. Pardon my language. At the end of the game with his arms crossed. <laughs> Do you think he did that because he was satisfied with his quarterback and the way no. he threw the ball to him? No. I'm happy I don't have to deal with quarterback woes like you do. Jesus. Yeah, no shit. Jordan Love looked pretty good. Jordan Love stepped up. You want to know Patrick something? Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, my AFC team, he just can't have receivers that don't catch. You want to hear something? I, I had an interesting uh, text conversation with Uncle Bob yesterday. Okay. I told him. I thought the Packers were, were a cinch to be at least number two in the division. Oh, definitely. You know what he told me? Uh, he thinks they're only going to win eight games this year. Really? No, 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 no. I said, come on. I said, that, I was, that was Love's coming out party. Yeah, I think they make the playoffs. You know what he told me? That was a, that was a crappy Bears team they played. And that he, he, he thinks eight games, that's it. No, I got to disagree with your Uncle Bob. Yeah, see, I, I, I disagree with him, too. Yeah, but the I, Bears team isn't as bad as they played. I, they, didn't, they, didn't, they were playing fine until that fourth quarter and they gave up. I honestly, I looked at that Vikings game, and I honestly think now it's the Vikings and the Bears battling for the bottom of the division this year. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I, I just don't think they've got it together this year. Nope. And I think Cousins, he's... You know, they say, oh, he's playing for his job. He doesn't have a job next year. I don't think so either. But I thought that last year. You know, he, he made a quote. <laughs> he made a quote this week. It made me absolutely laugh. He said, you know, Rex Grossman told me. And I thought, Rex Grossman? <laughs> Who? He hasn't been relative for 10 years. <laughs> well, Rex Grossman. What the hell has Rex Grossman ever done besides serve you a Gatorade? <laughs> Rex Grossman told me there's three of the most the three most important games that you'll ever play in is the first game of the season, uh, I forget what the second one was, and in a playoff game, and you really got to step up for all of those. And I'm thinking you've never stepped to, oh a night game. That's that's what it was. It was the first game of the season, a night game, and a playoff game. And I'm thinking you've never stepped up for all three of those. <laughs> so you took your advice from Rex Grossman. Yep. You never went to Joe Montana, Steve Young, or, uh, I don't know, <laughs> someone who's won something? <laughs> you took your advice from Rex Grossman? Who is, hasn't been relevant for 10 years? <laughs> 
I mean, my God, you, you crossed paths with Alex Smith and you never took advice from him? <laughs> uh, okay, so all this in order to get to Ziggy's picks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Somebody wanted, a, somebody wanted a, 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 a rant from me as far as cousins go. There you go. The man's a loser. <laughs> He's terrible. He's terrible. <laughs> glad he plays for your team. Well... He sucks. Glad, like, he play, glad he plays for your opponent's team. <laughs> he's, yes. He sucks like a hooker on Fleet Week. <laughs> um, but all those viral TikTok videos of him doing the dance. And, and he's so oh, humble because yeah. he shops at Kohl's. Kirko fumbles. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what the thing is now? Today it's, well, you know, and, it, and this was before the weekend too. You know, Shanahan wanted to trade for him over over in San Francisco. You know what? Do it today. Trade yeah. for Brock Purdy. I'll take him. Well, Brock Purdy is amazing. Straight he's, up. He's he's this year. He's going to be this year's breakout quarterback. Make the trade today. Sign a trade and sign. Sign and trade. Straight up. Brock Purdy for Kirk Cousins. I'll pull that trigger. Every day, 365 days a year, Brock Purdy for Kirk Cousins straight up. I'll do it. San Francisco won't do that. <laughs> they got a gem in Purdy. Oh, they know they do. But anybody who says, oh, Shanahan, oh, K- Kirk Cousins is going to the 49ers next year is full of shit. They won't oh, get he, he near- might, but he was going to sit on the bench. Purdy's not losing his job. Oh, you know it. Kirk Cousins is going over there as a backup, and he's not making $40 million next year. You're out of your goddamn yeah. mind. He's better off retiring. People are nuts. <laughs> but, yeah, you want to make that trade tomorrow? Absolutely. Crazy will make that trade tomorrow. Brock Purdy for Cousins straight up. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> we'll take it. And, yeah, I said it in the Minnesota accent. Yeah, but San Francisco's not taking it. <laughs> They're not getting rid of Purdy. If Shanahan's got that much of a heart on for, for Cousins, we'll take it in a minute. <laughs> Anyways, this is sports talk on, uh, on Supernatural <laughs> News Day. Radio. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking uh, psychic picks with uh, Ziggy. Uh, Ziggy had a little bit of an off week. And I, I blame myself because okay. we rushed it. We didn't do our normal um, – normally we have graphics for her to look at, the team logos, and we didn't have that because we didn't have it printed out. You know, we'd gotten back from New Orleans. We were kind of unpacking one. Oh, shit, we got to do Ziggy's picks. And uh, it was kind of my fault, and I kind of rushed her and – you know, she she did what she does, but it's we changed it, and you can't do that. You got to yeah, keep it. You got to keep. Same. You got to keep everything the same. And there is a yep. little bit of a twist this time on yes. on. A, yes. And we changed her energy a little bit, and I think it yeah. kind of messed her with her a little bit. It did. It did. Now we had we added Talia. So Talia originally wasn't going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why our my other puppy, so Talia Al Ghul, yes, yep. named after the Batman character. Yep. And she is a little 15-pound wiener dog mm-hmm. who thinks she's a 250-pound pit bull. That's always <laughs> fun. Yeah, yeah. But when she saw Ziggy doing her picks, she got excited. And then Ziggy always gets a good treat afterwards because we reward her for, for doing that. Mm-hmm. And Talia was like, well, wait a minute. All I have to do is choose one of these two things and I get that yummy treat at the end. <laughs> So we tried it with her, and she actually did better than Ziggy, but she got bored halfway through. Yeah, which is... Ziggy's, Ziggy's all for it. That's why I don't think Talia has any... I think Talia's just doing it because Ziggy was doing it. Yeah. Where Ziggy, I actually think, has something there. Yeah. So here's the deal. Before we go through our picks real quick, 
in our records, and we'll do it very quickly here and move on to uh, the rest of Supernatural News, uh, close circuit to audio boom, we're looking for sponsors big time for yes. this deal because we're going to do it for the rest of the season. So it's just going to be a quick se- a quick segment here in Supernatural News uh, in Parashare. Uh, in fact, tomorrow we're, we're doing the picks. We got the Mrs. Bruiser's printing out the logos. And yep. So we're, we're going to separate the two dogs so that way they're out of they're not in the same room. There you go. And we're gonna and we're, we're gonna do it. So we're we're gonna need sponsors. We want uh, Chewy. We want BarkBox. We want uh, some of the casinos or you know yeah. the online casinos. Draft, DraftKings, FanDuel. That's right. DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, whoever you got, uh, bring them on board because uh, because Ziggy and and Talia were looking for sponsors for them. So yep, there you go. Yep. So and, and Ziggy last year did fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. This year, Mrs. Bruiser put it up to week one jitters. That's what she had, and we rushed her. Week one jitters, and and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the same. So we'll have a control here for next week. So uh, we're almost. I'm not saying we're throwing out week one. It'll be thrown into the the percentage, yeah. but but we'll we'll call it a we'll call it a much. We'll call it our preseason. You know what? We'll call it human error. There you go. Human error. Because it was. It was my fault. I take full blame. So if anybody's upset, be upset at me. Not her. And I also do want to remind people, too, because this happens online all the time. Mm-hmm. Ziggy is a dog. <laughs> she, well, yeah, yeah. she doesn't watch ESPN. She'll, if I have ESPN on, ESPN on and she'll be in my lap, yeah. But she has no idea what Bradshaw is saying. She has no idea what Jimmy Johnson is saying. You know, she has no Although, idea. I hear she hates cousins as much as I do. <laughs> she does. So, she growls every yeah. time he's on TV. Yeah, yeah. So in all fairness, she does know who Kirk Cousins is. Um so so here's the deal, folks. Overall records for the for the week, we'll we'll give those. Okay. Yes. If you want to see the individual breakdowns of, of what we picked, you can go to darknessradioshow.com and go to Ziggy's picks. Okay. Because that's the actual page on 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 darknessradioshow.com. You can see our individual picks. And so, then if you go to the Darkness Radio TikTok or my TikTok or Mrs. Bruiser's TikTok, we always post one or two of showing video of Ziggy making the pick. So yes. it's not me making the pick. It's actually Ziggy. You know, um, we have a little thing where I show her the logo, show her the logo, show her the logo, and then go, okay, who do you want? And and you can see it too. For those that haven't seen it, she actually looks at both of them. Yes. And, and then, it, that's actually on Ziggy's picks page as well. There's, there's a is. link, okay. there's a link to the, the video of, of, uh, Ziggy making a pick for this week's Bears Packers game, and Talia making uh, the pick for the Bears Bears Packers game as well. So, okay, you can click on those links and see that as well. It's at the bottom of Ziggy's picks page, um, but you can you can see the individual picks, the 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 game, and how we all picked. Uh, Ziggy made her picks, Talia made her picks, and then Bruiser's picks and my picks. Yeah. So, but overall, the records for this week, uh, Ziggy went four and twelve. Yep. Which is Not by far week. the worst she's ever done. Yeah, she's never she's never done that bad. No, she's always had winning records. This was the first time ever. Right. Uh, Talia broke even eight and eight, which is for a first time doing it. You know, that's right. Uh, Bruiser seven and nine. Yeah, it was a weird week. It was so weird. It was. And I went eight and eight, which, again, it was a weird week. It was. It was. But that's what's so fun about about doing stuff like this is. One, it's exciting to watch. It makes it exciting to watch not just our teams play, but like just the teams in general. Yeah, yeah. But it just shows you how unpredictable sports can be. Yeah, it was it was a bizarre week in the NFL. That's for sure. Yeah, because I know I went with my picks. I went off what I read, you know, doing the research and stuff. And it's like 
<laughs> my research was way off. <laughs> well, to give you an idea, you know, every every almost every day I put on Colin Coward for about a, a, a an hour or two, you know, to yeah. satiate the ghost down here, <laughs> you know, down <laughs> down in the basement. And he was screaming about how he thought the Colts were a cinch to beat the Jags. Okay, yeah. which didn't happen. Nope. He was screaming about how Pittsburgh was going to beat the 49ers. Didn't even come close. They got slaughtered. Yep. And I'm trying to think of the other one he was screaming about. He was screaming about, um, what was the other one? Oh, 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 he was screaming about how we thought the Chargers were going to roll over the Dolphins. And that didn't Which, happen. No, and, and that that game in particular is a game where you can show how unpredictable it was because it the lead changed six times in that game. Yeah, yeah. And it literally came down to the last one-minute touchdown by Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. And oh, you can do all the analysis you want, you know. And the fourth game, which I knew he was way off on, he kept talking about how he thought everyone was underestimating the Giants and how the Giants were going to surprise everybody and beat the Cowboys. And, and the Cowboys steamrolled the Giants. Yeah. Now, I, I knew he was wrong about that one. See, I bought into it. Did you? I, I bought it. Yeah, I bought into it. I didn't. And I, I'll tell you why. Because they, even though they beat the beat my Vikings in the playoffs last year, they're a paper tiger. They just are. I mean, yeah. even though they changed some of their personnel, it, it's uh, Daniel Jones is not, you know, he's not the, the guy everybody thinks he is. No, he's not. He proved that on, on Sunday night. Yeah. So, and, and, and Dallas has a solid team. They're yep. a solid playoff team. So, I mean, they're not going to beat the Eagles. Let's face it. They're, you know, the Eagles are still top of the NFC East. After that game, mm, New England almost came back from 16. Don't, don't let, but, but New England is, is going to be a solid team in their division as well. Yeah, but they're, they shouldn't have been on the caliber of the Eagles. But they've, they've got a good defense. They do, but they shouldn't have been on, you know, so does Philadelphia. And again, week one. It's yeah, exactly. See, that's and that's what we're trying to get at. Is it's yeah. so unpredictable, you know. But when it comes to the, the pops, like like Ziggy proved last year, she has some sort of psychic abilities because you did the percentages, and you're like, wow, like she because she blew it out of the water last year. Yeah, and she was what in her upper eighty percent, I think she said. She, we, I, I think she like was eighty two point six percent. Yeah, for the yeah. year. For and, the and year. Talia right there right now is starting really good too with fifty yeah. percent right now, yeah. like. So, yeah, I mean, to be 82.6% for the year is exceptional. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, the, you know, they say in order for someone to be deemed psychic over their entire life, they only have to pick 70%. Yeah, and she's at 86 or 82 or whatever you yeah, said. Yeah, 82.6%. So, yeah. 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 So, so there you go. So, if you want and to... You know what? Uh, to the listeners, too, Ziggy loves this. She... When you watch the videos, she has a big smile on her face. She gets excited. Um, it's not like I'm making her do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And and we did it enough last year where when she sees the the little sheets come out, she gets excited. Her tail starts going, and that smile comes on. And you know, I'm excited to do it this year. See how she does. Now we're doing the full season. Last year we didn't do the full season, so yeah. And and here's the thing, folks. If she starts to get fatigued or it's not her thing, we'll stop doing it. Exactly. We'll yep. tell you. If she doesn't get excited, yeah. we'll stop. We're not going to force her to do anything she doesn't want to do. Yeah, exactly. So we're not, you know, it's not like we're, we're, 
you know, I'm not that type of owner. Yeah, gonna, yeah. Make, make my dog famous. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're not taking I got advantage kids for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll bring out one of his kids if we really want to take advantage. Of <laughs> well, one's, one's getting in the movie business. So. There you go. There you go. But yeah, we're, everyone's like, how can you support that? That's so unsure. I said, cause once she sells that first major blockbuster, she's taking care of her dad. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But no, we're not, uh, you know, we're not uh, doing the whole cruelty to animals thing or anything like that. It's, uh, it, we're just, uh, you know, it started off as a, a lark, a, a test to see if really there is such a thing as a psychic animal. And once, uh, once Ziggy took to it, we thought it was, hey, is it kind of cool? Yeah, yeah, we wanted to show up those stupid FIFA. Yeah, the, the, it was a hippo, I think, one. And well, there was an octopus, sea otter, an octopus. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. like, yeah, screw these guys. Yeah, we'll show you that Ziggy is more uh, psychic than those other animals. So, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, and I just think Talia had touches into the dark forces because she's the daughter of the demon. <laughs> yeah, that's there, there's that too. Uh, so should we move on? Let's move on. All right. So again, folks, darknessradioshow.com, Ziggy's Picks. Check it out to get the the exact breakdown of all of our picks. And you can keep going to that that uh, website to, to check the daily percentages and, and the weekly percentages. Uh, so I'll have a breakdown of our weekly percentages and overall percentages so that you'll be able to see week to week and overall. And, and fans, try to take a look at a picture of Ziggy. Um, we had a listener when you were at the Paracon when he finally got yes, to meet Ziggy, yeah. he's like, well, that wasn't what I was expecting. Ziggy is a there's a big, short-haired brindle there's boxer. A, <laughs> there's a big picture of Ziggy on the, on the website, yeah. so you'll be yeah. able to see what she yeah. looks and like. Yeah, and Talia's just a black 15-pound wiener dog. There you go. There you go. All right. Our next story uh, proves that it doesn't pay to meditate in public. Oh, okay. As a man is uh, shot while meditating on Hollywood's Walk of Fame. So that didn't work for him, did it? No, not at all. Namaste what? Uh, <laughs> Namaste ouch. <laughs> Namaste ow. Uh, a man who was meditating on the Walk of Fame in Hollywood was wounded in an apparently random shooting early Sunday morning. According to authorities, the victim identified only as an approximately 44-year-old white man, of course. was. Why, med- would, you, why would you try to meditate on the Walk of Fame? That's one of the most popular places in, in Hollywood. Was, like, there's no way you're getting peace and quiet. To no, meditate. he was seeking attention, I'm sure. I, yeah. yeah. I bet you he was on Gandhi's star, too. Like, oh, I'm going to sit on Gandhi's star. And, um, <laughs> or Ben Kingsley's. Ben, that's what I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Gandhi didn't actually star in the movie Gandhi, did he? Yeah, no. <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was, that was good old Ben, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> it was Ben Kingsley, yeah. Uh, so the f- approximately 44-year-old white man was meditating on the sidewalk just after t- uh, 3.20 a.m. So he was out there in the middle of the night uh, in the 6300 block of Hollywood Boulevard, according to Los Angeles police. That's when another man walked up to him and opened fire, striking him at least once. <laughs> He probably thought he was sleeping. Probably. He's probably trying to get his wallet. Although, who's bringing their wallet to a meditation? I have no idea. I have no idea either. Uh, The victim was taken to a local hospital where he was said to be in stable condition. Of course he was. He meditated the bullet right past his vital organs. (laughs) Uh, No suspect description has been released of the man who did the shooting. Police said that they believe the shooting was random and that the victim was not homeless. So there you go. It's because the guy had his eyes closed when he got shot. <laughs> you didn't necessarily <laughs> see. His th- and his third eye probably wasn't open yet. Well, no, not at all. He wasn't at that, that stage yet. So, yeah, yeah, because he's at one of the noisiest, busiest places in Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, doctors who sa- or studied 5,000 NDE cases are convinced that there is life after death. 
It only took 5,000 cases to figure it that's out. That's it, huh? Yeah, that's that's all. Okay. Uh, oncologist Jeffrey Long is about as qualified as anyone to be able to claim that we continue on after the physical body dies. Long, who gained a keen interest in the topic of life after death, uh, after reading an article on near-death experiences, was so intrigued by the subject that he ended up founding the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation in an effort to get to the bottom of the mystery once and for all. Over the course of 37 years, he studied close to 5,000 NDE cases and eventually reached the conclusion that life does go on after the physical body dies. The bottom line is that no conventional explanation for NDE holds water, he wrote in Insider Magazine. There isn't even a remotely plausible physical explanation for this phenomenon. Uh, sorry, I can't resist. Uh, these experiences may sound cliche, the bright light, the tunnel, the loved ones, but over several decades of studying NDEs, I've come to believe that these descriptions have become cultural tropes because they're true. Now, I have to mention here, Bruiser, not this week, but next week. We're going to have MJ Dixon on tomorrow. Okay. Uh, we're moving uh, Adam Berry to next week. But in that okay. interview next week, we, we deal with NDEs for a good portion of the program. And there is an NDE that John E.L. Tenney had, uh, an investigator who's been on this program before. And it is absolutely frightening. Really? Yeah. Okay. And we talk about NDEs and your afterlife. And I'll just tease you with this. Your NDE or your afterlife isn't as easy as you see a tunnel of white light, your relatives are on the other side, everything is hunky-dory. Right. Adam Berry has a theory which really holds water because he's done a lot of studying with it and, and done a lot of um interviews with people it really comes down to this your afterlife and this is what's chilling my friend because we've talked about this before your afterlife really follows what you believe in this life so if you're an atheist and you think you're going to be nothing but bone soup in the ground that's your, what you're going to be your afterlife is bone soup in the ground okay okay so think of that scary existence yeah you know if you believe you're scattered to the four winds, you'll be scattered to the four winds. Okay. You're not going to join your family in that so-called heaven that they're all in. And you're not going to, if you believe you're going to be here earthbound, you're going to be here earthbound. So you really do have to get with a belief set so that you're in that place. And he has a very good story in the new book, Goodbye, Hello, which I'm encouraging people to get before we do this interview, uh, which, by the way, is uh, it comes out September 26th. You can pre-order it right now. Um, there's a story about uh, a woman who dies 10 years before her daughter. They covered it on, on uh, um, Kindred Spirits. Okay. Woman dies 10 years before her daughter. Her daughter is, is uh, despondent, commits suicide, and she's earthbound. And through the Estes method, Amy and Adam uh, communicate the mother with the daughter. The mother, mother, the mother, the mother, uh, the mother uh, tells the daughter uh, that even though she's disappointed in her, she loves her and understands. 
and they communicate with each other. But the mother is in quote-unquote heaven. The daughter is earthbound. They weren't able to communicate with each other until Amy and Adam got together and, you know, bridged that gap to communicate with each other. Right. So they were on two different planes. Now, is there a way to change it? Or once you're committed, you're committed? Well, once you're committed, you're committed. You can try to get her crossed over. But again, humans can't cross spirits over. Right, exactly, yeah. So it's it's up to her to find that light to cross over. And if she wants to cross over... But the mother believes that because she committed suicide, she's not eligible to cross over. Okay. I'll let you figure out and watch, watch kindred, kindred spirits to figure out what happened with that. Yeah. Because there is an answer to that. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it's scary to think that if you don't believe in something, you are going to end up in the ground. Yeah. That, that's your afterlife. That is terrifying. Isn't it? Yeah. There's a, I think he was a priest, but he wrote a book about seven minutes in hell where it was his NDE. He went to hell. He yeah. could smell the sulfur. He could hear all that. And and going along with what you're saying, I do believe he's a Catholic priest, mm -hmm. which ranks right up there because that's what Catholicism is. You know, there's a heaven, there's a hell. And the way he describes hell is exactly how they describe it in the Catholic faith. Yeah. So that's kind of eerie how you're saying, you know, what your belief is, you know, because no, no NDEs are, are the same. I've noticed from all the stories that we've covered. Right. Right. But no, no one's beliefs are all identical. I mean, we have the same beliefs, right. but like your version of heaven is different than my version of heaven. Right. Uh, we Susie's version of hell is different than Bobby's version of hell. We talk about know? that too in, in the program. It's a very deep program uh, with, with Adam Barry coming up uh, a week from a week from tomorrow. Which is good because he, he is a very deep person, mm -hmm. and they touch on it on the show. They don't really get into it. Like him and Amy have their back yeah. and forth and yeah. stuff. But like you had the interview with Amy a while back. I think Adam was on it too, but you can see how deep they actually are. Yeah, his book is very good. It's a very good book. So Yeah. Yeah, so I encourage people to pre-order um, and, and listen in to the interview a week from Thursday because it, it – um, It'll change the way you think, I think, about certain things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay, so back to the story. Uh, he says, but over several decades of studying NDEs, I've come to believe that these descriptions have become cultural tropes because they're true. In one case, I've worked with a group of children under the age of five who all describe the same type of near-death experiences as adults typically do. In another, a woman lost, who lost consciousness while riding her horse experienced herself traveling back to the farm with the horse, even though her body was lying stationary on the ground. Afterwards, she described what was happening on the farm, even though she hadn't actually been there at the time and couldn't have possibly known. In the face of overwhelming evidence, I've come to believe there's certainly afterlife, said Long. Um, just to kind of wrap up the story, uh, like I said, th this interview coming up with Adam Barry is, is, I think, one of the better ones that we've done here on the show. Yeah. In that we get pretty deep into things like dream visitations, NDEs. Um, we talk about different things about beliefs in afterlife. And we accomplish a lot in less than an hour and a half. Um, but it gets you thinking. And one of the things that got me thinking, especially reading his book, was the idea that 
it doesn't matter what you believe in, but it just matters that you believe in something. Right. Uh, because if you don't, there's a real chance that you're going to end up passing away and being part of nothing. And to give you an idea, with, and I encourage you to look up John E.L. Tenney, T-E-N-N-E-Y, and looking up his, his near-death experience, because it's changed him. There's a description of it in the book, in, in the book Goodbye, Hello. And the best way I can frame it for you, and I do a horrible job describing it, is that when John had his NDE, he was just part of blackness, but he was part of the blackness, but there was nothing. Uh, he didn't have a body. It was just him in this blackness, but he couldn't touch anything. He couldn't feel anything. He well, knew. isn't that how you said yours was? I was... It, to me, everything went dark around me. Mm -hmm. And then everything went black, and then I came back. I, I wasn't aware that it was more like I had passed out. Okay. I didn't, it wasn't like I was conscious and in the blackness. The way that John Tenney described it, he knew that he was part of this blackness, and he was to stay in this blackness okay. for eternity. And it was absolutely frightening. To me, it felt like I was in a holding pattern. And then I came back. Gotcha. So okay. almost like, you know what? You're not quite ready to go yet. You're not quite ready to advance to the next stage because something's happening. Right. So to me, it wasn't, it wasn't scary because I knew I wasn't being advanced to the next stage yet. So it's like, well, you're about to die, but we're not going to let you die yet. Just kidding. You're coming back. Yeah. Just kidding. You're coming back. So something kept me from not dying that day. Of sepsis. I, now, with with these beliefs, mm -hmm. do you think? Because so, some people come back from NDEs and they have the veils thinner for them. They yeah. either oh, yeah. have psychic yeah. powers or they're sensitive to something. Do you think that has something to go along the lines of the belief too? Like someone maybe a skeptic and then have the NDE, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, I feel a presence. Do you think that's because they did their their beliefs had them cross over to whatever they're crossing over to? And then when they came back, they brought a little bit back with them. I think in some people's cases. Yeah, I think I think that. Yeah. You know, in, in Tenny's case, he was a hardcore agnostic. And when he had his. And he really was not a people person. Mm -hmm. He, he, he kind of was a, a loner. He was to himself. When he had his NDE and came back, now his, and even even Adam says in the interview, he says, spoiler alert, now when Tenny dies, he says he wants his NDE to involve a lot of people. He wants to be part of, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, wa he wants everybody to be part of his NDE. And he wants to. So you to, can change it. If you have the NDE and you experience that darkness like he did, you can, and you come back, you can change your beliefs. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah, okay. it's, and, okay. and, and a lot of times when you have an NDE, sometimes it's a warning, like when you go to hell. Yeah, yeah. It's a warning. It's it's telling you that, hey, you know what? You're getting a second chance. Yeah. And now's the time for you to change it. A lot okay. of times, if you have that NDE, sometimes it's, you know what? You really did slip and you were about to die, but we're giving you that second chance. Gotcha. Um, but sometimes we'll if, you, if you have a negative experience, that negative experience is, hey, you know what? This is your second chance. This is where you were heading. But, but now you've got a t you've, you've got that second chance to turn it around.
Okay. And if you didn't believe before, now it's time for you to believe. And it's 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 like uh, it's like the universe's scared straight program, for lack of a better term. <laughs> you know, you got to see the inmates. Now it's time to to get back yeah. and, and Here's actually where you do could good. be. Yeah, yeah. Your turn to go back and make sure you don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the ball's in your court. Yeah, right. Uh, let's move on. I run five hundred year old haunted pub where ghosts keep messing with workmen. That's what this next story <laughs> is, and why not? Ye old leatheran Battelle is what it says, is one of the oldest pubs in the UK, and it's got a few spooky stories attached to it, with the infamous highwayman Dick Turpin uh, said to have once hidden there, it says. In the heart of the black country, five-year-old or 500-year-old pub, Ye old leatheran Battelle, I believe is what it is, or Bottle, uh, is said to be home to many ghosts. This historic establishment is or which is twice as old as the United States, is said to have once been the hideout of the infamous highwayman Dick Turpin, um, which, with its charming black and white timber frames, the boozer seems to have leapt... Yeah, why wasn't your name the boozer and not Beer City Bruiser? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The boozer's really tough. I mean, it, I mean, it, it, it kind of reeks of alcoholism. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, yeah the, the boozer is, is kind of a tough name. Uh, seems to have leapt straight out of a children's storybook. I don't know what the boozer, I don't know, it doesn't say storybook to me. Uh, nestled in a quaint side street in Wens, Wensbury, uh, this pub dates back to 1510 A.D., Oh, wow. That's an old pub. That's a very old pub. I would love to have a beer there. Yeah. Originally a coach house, an antique photograph adorning its walls reveals that it has served as a local watering hole since at least 1887 with Victorian gentlemen seen outside. The pub holds a special place among the black country's most charismatic establishments. It's a great pub and it's got a really good following, a really good community following. Uh, current landlord, Carl Sylvester, who's all 34 years old, recently committed to another five years at the helm there. Uh, Carl took the pub or took over the pub in January of 2019. Despite initial struggles, he now reports steady business. We have a massive mix of customers. Some are elderly. Then we have some middle-aged and younger ones, he told Birmingham Live. As expected from such an ancient building, yield leather and I believe it is Battelle, is steeped in ghost stories. While Carl admitted that he's a skeptic, he couldn't help but share some of the eerie tales associated with the establishment. I've heard things, especially in the cellar, he confessed. I've heard a tapping and some of the barrels tick. Well, that's kind of weird. That's creepy. Uh, me personally, I haven't seen anything, but we have a regular psychic night. Just before COVID, one of the mediums sent me a picture and said there was a little girl standing at the door. But I'm very skeptical, and I try not to believe it because I have to come here on my own. Well, yeah, you probably don't want to believe some of that if you're there on your own. Yeah, that could be terrifying. Yeah. Adding to the mystery, uh, he mentioned unusual smells that permeate the pub. Quite often, you can smell toast and paint. I'm not sure why. The toast can be any time of the day, whereas the paint is when you come in in the morning, he explained. He also recounted a chilling incident involving a workman. We had a workman. I left him to carry on what he was doing, and he said the chair in here had moved on its own. Actually, it was the chair that you were sitting in, he said to the reporter. The pub's interior is steeped in character. Old timber beams crisscross the ceiling, uh, while the window of the front door is shaped like an old leather bottle. 
uh, paying homage to the pub's name. Uh, an antique clock bearing the pub's name adorns the bar. A nostalgic collection of photographs taken by Derek Wilkins in 1966 showcasing old pubs in Wensbury is displayed around the back. These images have been printed onto beer mats and scattered around the pub for patrons to collect. Carl reveals that parts of the pub date back to the original 16th century building, including the bar area. One of the rooms, which now houses a fireplace, was formerly the stables. The rear of the building is a later addition. He said, I like the character, I think because it's traditional. Most pubs you go into are open planned, he said. Uh, He went on to say, this is nice. We've got four nice little rooms and a beer garden. If people come and sit in here, generally the music is off, and it's more of a quieter room. The bar can get quite loud uh, with people singing. The back is where the sports are shown, and really you have quite a nice mix. Uh, Recently, the tragic loss of the Crooked House near Dudley, a beloved local landmark that was destroyed by fire and subsequently demolished earlier this month, has sparked police and council investigations. Reflecting on the incident, Carl expressed his devastation. It was devastating, he went on to say. I think more should have been done to save it, the Crooked House. I've always known that for a destination site, the only problem is when you don't use them, especially with the cost of living. Uh, despite these challenges, businesses at Ye Old Leathern Bottle uh, continue to thrive. However, Carl admits that the recent tripling of energy prices has added pressure. It is a busy pub, but we struggle with the cost of living, he said. Electric and gas bills have since tripled, uh, so that has a big impact. We obviously need a good amount of staff because of how busy the pub is. Ye Old Leathern, Ye Old Leathern Bottle has... Uh, kept its patrons entertained with karaoke nights on Friday, uh, live singers on Saturdays, and quiz nights on Sundays. Additionally, it offers free jukebox sessions on Friday and serves up delicious pizza and crusty cob menus throughout the week. I don't know about the crusty cob menus, but... I was going to say, what's a crusty cob menu? I have no idea. We'll have to ask our listeners if they know what a crusty cob menu is. <laughs> Maybe they can enlighten us. Uh, let's move on here. We're going to the lock. Ah, Uh, we're going to scotland where they've had uh, the sixth sighting overall of nessie Uh, nessie was spotted by a nessie hunter as three odd shapes appearing in the lake yeah Uh, do i have a picture of it i don't Uh, i'd like to see the picture see what these odd shapes look like oh i do have a picture here um this is the picture by, I believe it is Chi Kelly. This is a. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. yeah. It looks like a gator, but there's no gators there. No, there's no gators in Loch Ness. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That's what that looks like. It's a gator. Yeah. Well, it's like. Reptilian for sure. Or an eel. Yeah. That too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nessie Hunter has claimed to have spotted the Loch Ness monster for the sixth time. This year, as several sleuths decided to visit Scotland in a bid to track down the monster, Fiona Wade said she saw Nessie uh, in Loch Ness at 10.45 a.m. on August 31st. She claimed the sighting, which has been logged in the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register, lasted between 30 and 40 seconds. The hunter claimed the shape was nothing was nothing like I've seen before, she added. I can only describe it as Nessie 
as I can't think of any logical thing it could have been. Ms. Wade claimed to have seen Nessie just days after civil servant Alistair Gray said he saw three odd and seemingly connected shapes near Invermorston. Uh, the woman said she was not aware of Mr. Gray's sighting when she believes she spotted Nessie and added that it was probably in a very similar location, describing what she saw at Loch Ness. She said it was initially, or it, it initially looked like a periscope, but then two curved areas followed. It was moving and about halfway out in the lock, looking roughly over to midway between Foyers and Whitebridge. She said, I've seen deer crossing before, and it was like nothing I've ever seen before, and I can only describe it as Nessie, and I can't think of any logical thing it could have been. It was large enough to catch my eye, and it appeared to have left a slight wake behind it. Uh, back in 2018, Charlotte Robinson from Leeds in Yorkshire claimed to have spotted the Loch Ness Monster at Invermorston. Uh, just days before, Chi Kelly captured images of a strange character on Loch Ness. The 51-year-old was taking photos with her husband from the village of Doris, uh, where they claimed to have seen a serpent-like creature moving before disappearing in the water. Uh, these sightings were not shared publicly due to people's fears of being ridiculed, but after hearing that at the end of August, a huge search for Nessie was launched in the Scottish Highlands. Those who claimed to have spotted the creature decided to come forward. Hundreds of people signed up to monitor a live stream on Loch Ness two weeks ago in what was described as the biggest Nessie hunt in more than 50 years. Other recent sightings include those of Etienne Camel and his wife Elaine, who were visiting from the lock, or were visiting the lock from Lyon, France, or Lyon, France, rather, on um, June when they allegedly spotted a 65-foot dark shadow moving underneath the surface for several minutes. Only a couple of weeks earlier, on May 31st, American tourist, I believe this is Ceci, also uh, spotted a strange shape for a few minutes. Paisley resident Francesca McGarvey claimed that she spotted humps in the water. Those humps, those humps, those lovely Loch Ness those humps. Yeah. Loch Ness. Yeah. Uh, while visiting with her parents on April 5th, all four sightings were taken down on the official register of Loch Ness sightings compiled by Nessie expert Gary Campbell since 1996. Who's, who ridicules people now? That's what I don't get. Like, Nessie's such a yeah. mainstream pop culture thing. Nessie, Bigfoot, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. the cryptids have become so pop culture. Who's getting made fun of now? You know what I mean? I don't like, know. Yeah. Maybe, I'm, maybe you and I are just in our own little world with the cryptids, but, like, everyone I've talked to, no one makes fun of anybody that's had an experience. That's so 1990s, you the know? The only thing I can think of is like, well, you saw when they did the huge search a couple weekends ago? Like, yeah, yeah. Like mainstream American news kind of does the guffaw when they, when they air right, the story. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But other but, than that, I, I can't think of anybody. Yeah. Like, if you have an experience, you can do it anonymously now, too, which is cool, because everything's online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know. I don't know who still does that. Yeah, that's the only part of the story that really bugged me is like, who's still ridiculing these people? And if you are, stop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We move on where fears foul skunk ape lurking in a U.S. state after 300 sightings and a mystery footprint. (laughs) Uh, Eric's Florida, right? Yeah, we're going to Florida. That's where the skunk ape is. Uh, Eric Swanson set out on a mission to discover Florida's own so-called Bigfoot 
after the state became the third highest area for sightings of the elusive creature. A man has searched for Florida's own version of Bigfoot, also known as the skunk ape. Eric K. Swanson visited the Sunshine State in an attempt to discover the elusive and mythical creature. After a total of 300 sightings of it since records began, Florida has the third highest number of sightings of the beast in the entire U.S., only falling behind Washington and California. Filmmaker Eric created a documentary to track Bigfoot chasers as they try to hunt for proof of the creature's existence. The name skunk ape was given to the beast for the putrid smell of its fur, resembling that of a skunk that sprays foul air as a defense mechanism. He revealed one photo from 1997 allegedly showing the creature, which was taken just two weeks after a bus full of tourists reported seeing a skunk ape. In the documentary, Eric spoke to some of the hunters who explored and detailed their own run-ins with the elusive beast. One such hunter, Matt Larson, is 100% convinced that there is a human hybrid lurking in the area. His interest was, uh, yeah, his interest was fueled after coming across a 17-foot footprint that he couldn't explain. Another, Brian, has been trekking in central Florida during the night when he has supposedly encountered the beast. On this particular night, he said, I was hiking and my concentration was on the trail, so I was constantly looking down, he explained. All of a sudden, I tripped on, I don't know what you would call it, a palmetto root or a palmetto log, but I stubbed my foot on that and I made a loud thud. Uh, He continued, it shook the bushes, and there was just this immense sound of palm leaves rustling against each other and being pushed apart like it was a sudden explosion of noise. Brian then revealed that as he turned around, he expected to see a deer's tail, but instead saw an enormous shape that stood up and turned away from him. Despite having been a non-believer, Brian admitted he had to reevaluate everything that he had thought. It's because the skunk ape was making fun of him. Yeah. Something stubbed his toe and went, (laughs) he turned around to walk away. You're a klutz. Do you uh, think when all the Bigfoots get together, the skunk apes like the black sheep of the family? I think so, yeah. yeah. Even they all they, they all smell. I mean, we, we yeah. heard that a common thing. But, like, the skunk ape's the only Bigfoot that truly is like, oh, yeah, it smells like a skunk. It is terrible. Yeah. Do you think when they have the big Bigfoot gathering and they're all together going, how was your week? Oh, my week was good. They're, how about you? They're probably oh, the they're ones. skunk ape. <laughs> they're probably the ones that get, like, the white elephant gift of Dr. Yeah. Squatch deodorant. Yeah, exactly. Soaps and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, While out with the chasers, the group believed that they had evidence that there was something out in the woods pointing to a perfectly bent tree. They also pointed out uh, what looked like a footprint in the mud. But leader of the group, Max, denied that there was evidence of a skunk ape. The documentary eventually was unable to prove the existence of Bigfoot in the area. But Eric insisted that the stories were genuine. I don't know if Bigfoot or Skunk Ape is real, but I do believe that the chasers had genuine encounters with an unknown animal, he said. Looking around the woods and swamps of Florida, it's easy to see how something can remain hidden. And I like that idea, he said. Then Kirk Cousins showed up and said, you like that! You like that! I talked to Rex Grossman. He didn't say the Skunk Ape existed. I talked to Rex Grossman. He said the most important time for a skunk ape to come out is the beginning of the season uh, on a a Thursday night game and and at the playoffs. And and then he said, I don't show up for any one of those three things. So, I don't know. Exactly. Yes, sir. Uh, Let's talk about manifesting real quick, shall we? Oh, yes. This is what I was curious about. So, okay, so... 
we've had a lot of, especially over the last 10 years or so, we've had a lot of books out there about uh, manifesting. You, you know, you, you talk about The Secret. That was one of those yep, books. Yep, on sales, the big one. Yep, that was the big one. Uh, Oprah at one time was even behind it. She she was talking about how, you know, The Secret was the big thing. And all you had to do was was just think about it, bring it into your life, and and you could achieve wonderful things, right? Yep. Okay. Well, there's a dark side to this trend of manifesting. People who think they can get anything they want simply by imagining it are more likely to go bankrupt, according to a new study. Really? Yeah. I'm curious why. Well, let's find out. It says the increasingly popular idea that we can cosmically attract success to ourselves may not be such a good thing after all. But those who believe in the practice of manifesting are more at risk of bankruptcy, according to a study. Researchers also found that they are more likely to be drawn to risky investments and to believe that they could achieve an unlikely level of success more quickly. Uh, According to Lucas Dixon, who is the author of a new study from the University of Queensland, Australia, He said, in our studies, we define manifestation as the belief that if you send out your desires to the universe through positive thoughts, visualization, or acting as if goals have already come true, like writing a pretend check to yourself, the universe will deliver what you desire. Manifestors seem to be overly optimistic, believing that they are more likely to be successful in the future in shorter time frames, meaning that they over or may overestimate the odds of success. Focusing on positive aspects of one's life, as manifestors tend to do, helps people feel good and to be more resilient. However, it may lead to downplaying negative but important signs of business fragility, otherwise known as mounting debt. Believers are more likely to feel that they have control over fairly uncontrollable aspects of their life, whether they get rich quick or become famous, he added. In business, this could lead to an opportunity cost where time is spent focusing on more uncontrollable long-term goals rather than controllable short-term goals in their business, or perhaps focusing on more symbolic actions, i.e. visualizing success rather than instrumental actions, otherwise known as managing finances or attaining new customers, etc. For the study, the researchers measured the manifestations beliefs or the manifestation beliefs of 375 people. They were asked to rate on a seven-point scale how much they agreed with statements such as, I attract success into my life with the help of the universe or a higher power. My soul, spirit, or higher self helps me attract success. And the universe or a higher power sends me people and events to to aid my success. Their answers were then analyzed along with their finances. For every point or one point people scored higher on the manifestation scale, they were about 40% more likely to have experienced bankruptcy and about 30% likely to have investments in cryptocurrency, though not more likely to have invested in stocks, said Mr. Dixon. Okay. Okay. They're going for the get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. Given the value of crypto has a history of having massive gains over short time fr- short time frames, we imagine that this finding is related to the fact that manifestors have a strong belief in getting rich quickly. Mr. Dixon said he was surprised by some of the findings, which are published in the journal Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin. I think we expected to see over-optimism, given this seems to be part of the belief system, he said. But some of the less obvious results, like bankruptcy and belief in getting rich quick, were surprising. 
While it is possible that higher manifestation belief leads to these outcomes, another possibility is that people develop stronger belief in manifestation after they have had experiences with get-rich-quick schemes or having been bankrupt. This is something we yet don't know, Dixon went on to say. Mr. Dixon said that he was also amazed by how widespread the belief in manifestation seems to be. One in three of those he surveyed had some degree of belief. This may be due to the ongoing popularity of books like The Secret and Think and Grow Rich, but also the rise of social media influencers, he went on to say. Well, it's because every social media influencer uses a vision board now, and a vision board is essentially manifestation. That's true. It's very true. As of today, videos with the hashtag manifestation have been viewed 42.8 billion times on TikTok. Wow. Yeah, I think it's a little widespread. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Interesting stuff. Bankrupt. I wasn't thinking that, but I, I get it. I get it because you're, you're investing in to make these things happen. Well, and, and here's here's a word to the wise. OK, now I'm not I'm not shitting all over manifestation. By all means, I believe in manifestation yeah. and I believe in being positive. There's a difference between being positive and bringing things into your life. But you also have to see signs. Mm -hmm. and follow those signs you can't be delusional when it comes to that either a lot of people will say well i'm being positive and i'm bringing things into my life and 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 then act on something they think they see right there's a difference between actually seeing a sign and following it and then being delusional and following a false sign the other big thing going along with what you said and with manifestation is patience mm-hmm mm-hmm just because you put it out there doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. That's right. That's right. And that's what this guy's trying to cover is yep. the people that are getting it back. They're looking for that get rich quick scheme. Yes. So like you said, they're ignoring the signs. They're looking for wrong signs because they want it now. That's, yep. that's today's society. And yep. that's because we have everything at our fingertips. You want to, you want to look up the score of last night's football game right there. Yeah. Look it up on your phone, computer, yep. tablet, whatever. Yep. But with manifestation and with positivity, yep. it, and it's not just a one-time thing. You have to constantly think that positive thought right. and that, right. that manifestation. And right. it doesn't happen immediately. Right. And anybody who's got any form of fame or riches will tell you, oh, yeah, I got rich and famous overnight after 10 or 20 years of work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not, you know. It, I, I tell all my, my students that that it took me 13 years to sign a contract. Yeah, exactly. I, I worked hard for 13 years. Yeah. And then I signed that contract. Yeah. There, there's it, no such thing as, as, you know, as overnight success. No, it's a very, very, very rare thing. Right. Very rare. It's, right. it, and, and that, that's the other thing too you just touched on. If you're manifesting, you're trying to stay positive, you still have to put in the work. Yes. It's not like you can just sit on your couch and go, you know, I'm going to win a million dollars. I'm going to win, you know, and never leave your couch. Right. You have to put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, Bruiser. You're absolutely right on that. Let's switch gears here. I teased it earlier in the program that archaeologists had discovered a 2,000-year-old biblical site where Jesus healed a blind man. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thanks for doing that, Jesus. Uh, now, if you could fix my eye, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I got some things that need to be fixed, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. uh, biblical records say that Jesus Christ healed a blind man at the pool of, I believe this is Salome, uh, more than 2,000 years ago. 
A famous site where Jesus is said to have healed a blind man has been uncovered in an archaeological dig. The Pool of Siloam has been unearthed after more than 2,000 years of being covered in the desert. The site in Jerusalem, which was first constructed in the 8th century B.C. under the reign of King Hezekiah, uh, was found thanks to a joint effort by the Israel Antiquities Authority, the Israel National Parks Authority, and the City of David Foundation. Uh, its discovery is proving to be momentous for follows, followers of Christianity. Uh, the ongoing excavation within the City of David, the historical site of biblical Jerusalem, particularly of the Pool of Siloam, and the pilgrimage road serve as one of the greatest affirmations of that heritage in the millennial old uh, bond Jews and Christians have with Jerusalem, said Ziev Orenstein, who is the director of international affairs of the City of David Foundation. Uh, not simply as a matter of faith, but as a matter of fact, he went on to say. The Pool of Siloam, or Siloam uh, which reached more than uh, 1.25 acres at its peak, Gave the city of David its running water. Oh, okay. Interesting. So it's man-made. It's not a natural body. It doesn't look like it is, no. According to a passage in the Gospel according to John, the pool is also where Jesus restored a blind man's vision. There is no half mile that means more to people that affirms Jerusalem's biblical heritage uh, not simply as a matter of faith, but as a matter of fact, Ornstein further said in a statement. And obviously living in a time where so much of the biblical heritage is being questioned to be able to be unearthing all of this historical heritage and antiquity that shows that whether for Jews or Christians, that you could see it, you could touch it, you could walk on it, that really our heritage in Jerusalem is going back thousands of years, not simply as a matter of faith, but as a matter of fact being unearthed here in the city of David. It's unclear whether the pool of Siloam uh, will be open to the public. See, that, that that's the, the key to a lot of this that's being found in Jerusalem. You do have some political lines that get crossed as well. Yeah. Um, because you do have a, a cross-section of, of different beliefs in in Israel. So, um, but, but it's interesting that they, they did find this. So it, it is, it, 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 it's just weird that, that to unearth, you know what I mean? Like people have been living there for years, like thousands of years mm -hmm. yet places like this get buried or lost. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's amazing. They found it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'd reported, I meant to, read this earlier when we reported on the NDE, but there's an atheist that said he died and returned and now he believes in God. I meant to read this earlier with the NDE story, but eh, I got it now. Uh, there are many unanswered questions in life, the essence of life, existence beyond our planet, and what lies ahead after death. And these mysteries have perplexed brilliant minds everywhere with divergent beliefs about the afterlife. And while some strongly believe in heaven or hell or reincarnation, others deny the existence of an afterlife, proclaiming that we simply cease to exist. However, one man's encounter during a near-death experience challenges this disbelief. Jose Hernandez, who is an avowed atheist, shares, his, or shares how a life-altering incident transformed his perspective. Speaking to the YouTube channel Sh Shaman Oaks, that's kind of clever. Instead of Sherman Oaks, Shaman Oaks. It sounds uh, like a, a emo band's. It does, album. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Hernandez recounts his extraordinary journey that began with a routine work assignment as an engineer. Hernandez's near-death experience occurred while fixing an electrical issue from atop a bucket truck. Oh, I see problems already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, He says, I was a staunch atheist as an engineer. I focused solely on logical explanations, he said. But that day, everything changed. We were running late. My partner, concerned for my safety, inadvertently crashed our truck into a tree. The impact left me with multiple broken ribs, and I was rushed into an emergency room. At the hospital, Hernandez's breathing ceased, and the medical staff fought to desperately save his life. In that critical moment, he found himself contemplating God and making a promise. If you get me through this, I'll change. It was then that he noticed a mysterious presence in the room. He says, I saw a shadow standing by the door. At that point, I thought, I've endured so much in life, perhaps it's fine to let go. And at that moment, the shadow touched my toe. An overwhelming sense of relief, calm, peace, and love engulfed me. It was euphoric. As medical professionals performed CPR on him, Hernandez claims that the shadow spoke to him. Next, I found myself suspended in the corner of the room, observing the resuscitation efforts. A voice beside me said, think of your body as a car. This vehicle has traveled 8 million miles, and there's nothing more we can fix. It's time to bid farewell to your body, the voice instructed me. Okay, it's time to move on. Following this, Hernandez described a descent into a black hole where he experienced flying and witnessed mesmerizing cities, breathtaking forests, and wild herds of animals in motion. In the celestial realm, he was assured that he would be able to see his children, and most significantly, he was reunited with his father. When I met my father on the other side, I realized that sometimes we may be unable to express certain things here, but elsewhere we can Near-death experiences often share common elements with many individuals reporting similar experiences during CPR. While some interpret these encounters as evidence of consciousness beyond the physical realm, medical professionals offer an alternate explanation. Emeritus professor of biochemistry, William Revel, uh, in an article in the Irish Times, argues that near-death experiences reflect brain activity during moments of oxygen deprivation and increased carbon dioxide levels. He suggests that reports of a light at the end of the tunnel may be a result of falling oxygen levels in the retina, creating tunnel vision. In Jose Hernandez's case, his near-death experience challenged his atheism and opened his eyes to the possibility of an afterlife. His encounter offers a message of hope echoing the experiences of others who have traversed the threshold between life and death. While the mysteries of life and death continue to captivate our curiosity, Hernandez's account reminds us that there is still much we do not yet comprehend, leaving room for exploration and contemplation. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. His NDE was real in-depth, too. It real was. detailed. Yeah, very detailed. Very detailed indeed. Uh, got a couple of, couple of quick parishers things to get to before we do our last story here. Um, okay. And I say little bit of parisher because it's it is and it isn't they're just some notes from from listeners not real stories i mean i have one real story for us here from a regular listener notes Um, are fine too notes are fine too we get a a note here from uh, eric who says um hey there my paranormal pals i just underwent some pretty major Spine surgery and laying about as one must, I overheard a conversation on television pertaining to native language. This has to do with AI. He asked, does AI have a good side? 
<laughs> uh, long story short is the following. The last few native language speakers on the planet could save their mother tongues with help from AI. These AI models are perfect for the task. They could record any surviving knowledge bases remaining and prevent the future loss of syntax and all those other things which make language learning so different from humans or so different for humans. Uh, and so we arrive, teach AI the old languages. They can literally fill in any blanks they come across. They never forget and they can already mimic us in an unnerving way. I know the larger part of the AI fear is a set bit, or is it? <laughs> um, well, that's for you to decide, I guess. Uh, and I love it, he says. Uh, that's what uh, that's what he says here. Yeah, let's uh, get AI to speak dead languages to summon dead spirits and demons that come <laughs> rule the world again. <laughs> right? You're on the same wavelength, my friend. <laughs> I just believe we need to remember whom is really in control, still us if we choose a new path, and using AI to be in a preceptory fashion instead of in some sort of technobot scab way. Peace out, my friend. E.I. de Turville. Well, here's the deal, my friend. Like Bruiser said, give them the dead languages. Let them start summoning the gods <laughs> and then turn the gods against us, prisoning us in a hell that we can't escape. Like, like how many movies start off with someone speaking in a Syrian dead language? And the next thing you know, you have a demon coming out <laughs> wanting to rule the world. That's right. Now we're, now we're having the AI summon a demon and now the AI's, the demon and the AI are working together. Yeah, okay, that's perfect. Bruiser said it best. Bruiser wins. <laughs> See, you're not taking it far enough. You're saying, okay, we can save the dead language. Sure, save the dead language for the AI who then in turn brings the demon to Earth. <laughs> the demon that we've conquered and, and put away because the language is dead. <laughs> does that sound like a bit to you? Okay, maybe it does. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll let you decide. Uh, Denise wrote in, and uh, last week while you were gone, uh, Bruiser, we were talking about Stormy, uh, the dog who went to the Metallica concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Lars Ehrlich yeah. post that picture. That was a very cute story. Yeah. So uh, Denise said, hi, Tim. Uh, she was talking about how Darkness Radio has been her go-to uh, if she's not feeling good or having trouble sleeping. So we put her to sleep, essentially. Yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind being the last voice you hear while you fall asleep. Well, uh, uh, kind of makes me feel like... We can like talk I'm, nice and low. Kind of makes me hey. feel like I'm boring, but that's, that's okay. We can uh, do some <laughs> ASMR. We can talk real low. That's right. We can sit there and could whisper things like listen girl i'm in your ear right now doing naughty things sleep <clears throat> sleep sleep precious sleep my precious sleep that's me in the corner that's me in the spotlight losing <laughs> my religion <laughs> i'm in your closet right now playing with your unmentionables is that creepy or what just close your eyes Fall asleep. Dream. Dream about the cruiser and the bruiser. Dream about us. Is it weird if I'm wearing your underwear right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you know, just saying. Anyways, uh, so Denise writes, um, 
she says the show takes me away from what I may be dealing with and, and brings back a calmer, relaxed mindset. Not after we just said, yeah, <laughs> we just yeah. totally ruined that. Yeah, we, you're not relaxed anymore, Denise. Sorry. Anyway, she says the story about Stormy going to the concert made me start to think about what my cats go and see. Oh yeah. Oh, actually, I, I pre-read this before. This is this is actually kind of cool. So yeah. she said they seem to like easy listening, country, holiday music, and darkness radio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she said I can put on darkness radio with no cat near me. One or both come and lay down next to me and listen to you. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you, kitties. Yeah. So I think my, my cat, cat Bruiser says meow. Yeah. There you go. Bruiser says meow. <laughs> so I think my cats Ginger and Peaches would come to see you. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, if we ever do a live show, we'll have to look for ginger and peaches. There you go. Yeah. We'll bring catnip. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? They might have a wrestling match for you to watch. Oh, they might might bring old tapes. Oh, I'm in. There you go. Uh, Peaches is real good at flipping ginger. (laughs) So so there you go. we'll, We'll just bring a little ring for them to wrestle in. Yeah, I got a little one somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Ginger is heavier of the two and just a little bigger. Oh, there you go. It is fun to watch them go at it. Well, bring them along and we'll bring a little ring and then we'll ring a bell and they can go at it. Yeah. Uh, I understand why the shelter would want to fix the animals before they head home. So what they did to Stormy when Stormy was picked up at the arena is Uh they actually, uh, they spayed, was it spayed or neutered uh, Stormy? They, okay. f- they fixed her before they sent her home to their to the family. And yeah. Stormy is a rare breed. So, oh. I, so Mally and I were saying, do you necessarily want that? If they were going to breed Stormy, they ruined Stormy. Yeah, but um, all I know around here, all the shelters do that. Like, we couldn't get – we Ziggy was already spayed. But Talia, we had to wait a day to bring her home because they had to spare. Oh, ah, Okay. Um, and that's that. I don't know if that's law or if that's just how they handle it. But like, there, there's a purebred. They have a purebred French bulldog right now, and I was like, for adoption, and okay. and they're like, yeah, but it, it's already fixed. Wow. I'm like, you could make a lot of money with that dog, yeah. you know? Yeah. Especially French bulldogs. Right. Right. Uh, she says, I understand why the shelter would want to fix the animals before they head home if they don't know who the owner is. It will be put up for adoption, okay? Uh, if they know who the owner is, they should give them a call and clear it with them. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, you said Storm was a rare breed of the German Shepherd. Owner could be puppy raiser for service dog, right? Uh, she could also have been one of the breeding dogs. Uh, when a breed that is a good fit for a service uh, good, they might want to breed that dog. I, I understand what she's saying there. Uh, personally, if they ever want to train a dog to do both seeing and hearing services for someone, I am there. I've always thought about how much better it would be for one dog to be trained for both disabilities. Agreed. Um, then having to train two dogs for a person with both problems. I know someday I may need a hearing dog. It would be good for me if they would handle seeing eye dog tasks. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I had a hearing cat for a bit. Yes, he basically trained himself. He sensed I could, I could hear, hear well. Uh, his meow was louder than a lot of people ever heard. He also taught himself how to let me know someone was at the door. That's very cool. That is very cool. He would come to the doorway of the room I was in and meow at me and walk toward the front door. I wasn't following him. Uh, he would come back and meow at me again, turning his head to the door. Oh, that's really cool. 
Uh, hey, Bruiser. <laughs> hey, Bruiser, <laughs> you're slacking. Because I'm look, looking at him cleaning his junk right now on our <laughs> record player. Uh, now he just looked up at me like, what? Denise says, uh, and when I understood that is when when I understood this is what he was doing, I followed right away. Look at that. That's awesome. Yeah. Boy, your yeah. cats are slackers. My cat is an idiot. <laughs> Not you, Denise. Uh, Bru- Bruiser's cat. Bruiser yeah, no, your is cat slack- sounds amazing. Yeah, is a slacker. Bruiser, Bruiser's a slacking over here. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for the note there, Denise. That, uh, yeah. Yeah, and we uh, we definitely will uh, we'll have treats for ginger and peaches if we ever come around to your your area. So there you oh, go. definitely, yeah. And and we say hi to ginger and peaches. Yes, by all means, yeah. Especially if they're listening. Hello, ginger and peaches. Hi, ginger. We don't want peaches. We don't want to wake mommy up. That's so right. Say hi. So it's, it's an AM ASMR high. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, ASMR highs don't don't piss them off. <laughs> I, I didn't think about that. Sometimes, I don't know. Bruiser just jumped down and now he's staring at me like he wants to eat me. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe it does piss the cat off. Maybe it off. does, yeah. And then finally, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Never, never mind. He went and got his catnip toy. I don't remember. Do we read Marky Mark's story from. Um, do we read his happy birthday story to me? No. Do you, I mean, ta- he might have last week. I, I don't, ta- I didn't no, no, no. Where he talked about. I didn't read any. Uh, where he talked about UFOs? Well, let's read it again in case we didn't. Um, So Mark reads in, first off, just wanted to say happy birthday to my fellow August birthday boy, Tim. Well, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Hope you had an exciting birthday weekend. I did. Or relaxing. uh, That's what you were going for. Also hoping Papa Bruiser is doing better. Thoughts and prayers to the Bruiser family. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, with all the talk lately of UFOs, UAPs, or whatever the title du jour is now, I thought I might as well dive into some of the numerous sightings that have happened throughout my life. I won't go back into my childhood or include any that had a logical explanation, but I'll present a few interesting ones that I've seen in more uh, in more recent years. Sorry, there will be no UFO landings or alien abductions included here. Well, darn it. Uh, <laughs> I first moved this. Here's the first one. Close encounters of the first kind. I first moved to a small town where I live, lived where when I was almost 12, when I was old enough to get my license, I would take late night drives into the country. One night when I was on a drive south of town, I saw several orange lights appearing, dropping down and then disappearing later when telling oh, this we did here. This is the military flares. Okay. Okay. So we, we read that one. Yep, because he we we yeah he actually messaged me with uh, some of the questions that I asked him about. Okay. If, okay. So he gave he sent a follow up to that. Okay. okay. Cool. Because I was gonna say he sent me a message with the because we had a couple questions. Okay. So then he says, "Hey guys, Bruiser, welcome back from the Big Easy. Hope you had an awesome and spooky time with your daughter, Cruiser. I hope you had a relaxing weekend watching Kirk Cousins and a stellar performance." Lead the you Vikings. You can't put relaxing and Kirk Cousins in the same sentence. You can't. Uh, watching Kirk Cousins and his stellar performance lead the Vikings to their first almost win of the season. Take the bait. Take the bait. <laughs> if a rant is needing to happen, I'll wait. Yep. <laughs> You're trying so hard not to rant right now. Uh, we, we got the rant out earlier. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Earlier. There was, earlier. A, there was a rant earlier. <laughs> All I'll say is Rex Grossman, that motherfucker follows Rex Grossman. Uh, anyways, this isn't so much a new parish here as in it's an addendum to a previous one that we were you know, just talking, about. talking yep. about earlier. I won't retell the whole story, but for those that want to go back and check it out, it was a May 3rd uh, 
season 18, episode 53, Satan is just all right with Boston episode around the one hour, 34 minute timestamp. He gives you the <laughs> timestamp. Uh, the story told of two young girls being chased through an Alabama country house by a luminous blue orb accompanied by tapping sounds on the windows. I remember this one. Do you remember this one? Yep, okay. I okay. remember. So here's the new part. A week or two back during Supernatural News, you read a story about how Demi Lovato and Kesha went on a UFO tour with a former Darkness Radio guest, Dr. Stephen Greer. They reported seeing a blue orb about 30 feet in front of them. According to the article, Dr. Greer said that he called the blue orbs kindness because they had been known to heal hearing loss. I don't know exactly what he was referring to or the circumstances involved, uh, but it made me realize that I had left out a part of my story because it seemed inconsequential at the time. The girl in my story, who was a guest at her friend's house that night, had lost most of her hearing by the second grade and remained that way until the age of 12 when she received a cochlear implant or cochlear implant. Uh, the story took place while she was almost completely deaf. It just made me curious that if Dr. Greer's claims were true, was this light there to terrorize the two that night, or was it simply chasing them through the house in an attempt to heal her hearing? Crazy stuff to think about. Until next time, Marky Mark. That is. That's very crazy to think about. But here's the, here's the caveat or the question to throw back to you, Marky Mark. Is her hearing any better to this day? Yeah. After that experience. Question. And has she seen any similar blue orb since then to help clear up her hearing? That's a very good question. Yeah. So I would I would throw that caveat back at you. With that, we've got one story left today in Supernatural News. And then we're out of here for the week. And uh, by the way, tomorrow, MJ Dixon, we're talking Supernatural Africa. So that's that's happening. She's got a new book out about uh, supernatural Africa. She went back to South Africa, her home, her hometown and South Africa and experienced quite a bit. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, Bruiser's new drinking buddy. All right. All I right. New drinking buddies. By the way, uh, we're calling him Florida Bear. <laughs> OK, that's right. A three-legged bear broke into a Florida Florida family's enclosed porch, helped himself to three white claws from the fridge. Oh, well, he's a bear. He doesn't know. <laughs> he's a bear. He doesn't know. Josori Finetti, I believe, DiGilio is her name, said her 13-year-old son, Joseph DiGilio, was inside their Lake Mary home when the family dog's barking alerted him to a bear outside. Security camera footage and cell phone video recorded by Joseph shows the three-legged bear, known to neighbors as Tripod, by the way. <laughs> you've got a colorful new drinking buddy. His name is Tripod. That's a good way to introduce him to people. Well, you know. Hey, uh, is that a bear behind you? No, no, that's tripod. That's tripod. Normally, when you're called tripod, it's because the third leg is pretty prominent. You know what I mean? Exactly. I, actually, I, I forgot to forget. It's because his name is tripod. It's because the third leg is pretty prominent. There you go. <laughs> that's what I meant to do. Uh, so tripod was breaking through the screen into the homes. Is that a lanai? Yeah. What is that? What is a Holmes Lanai or ENI? Uh, a Lanai? I don't know. 
Somebody will tell me what it is. He ate the fish food we had outside next to our fish tank and then proceeded to the bar. Well, of course. You got to get your snacks in. Yeah, said Finiti Diglio, I think is her last name. Uh, He took three White Claws, drank, and left very happy. (laughs) Of course he did. He probably caught a small buzz. Fish food and White Claws. That's an odd repast. It sounds like a freshman in college. It does. <laughs> By the way, his favorite flavor, I don't know if you agree with this, Bruiser. I don't drink White Claw. I think White Claw is disgusting. Well, okay, maybe he'll hang out with Joey Janela then. Um, his favorite flavor is mango and strawberry. Okay, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah, I'm not a truly fan. I'm not a seltzer guy. I okay. just I find him as an insult to the beer. <laughs> okay. But you know what? Hey. He could have he went he could have went for milk he could have went for soda yeah but he went for the alcohol so therefore it's a good bear in my book yeah Tri- tripod you get a big thumbs up from the bruiser there you go uh, Joseph said seeing the bear open the fridge spurred him to lock the doors of the house in case tripod went looking for more snacks <laughs> <laughs> well yeah <laughs> the family said the bear left after a few minutes with the only damage being the stolen snacks and the hole in the screen I was not scared because we know the bear really well he lives here we respect their habitat as much as we can you, you don't know the bear really well he's a wild animal yeah if he ever comes back around again leave let him do his own thing I say you know what i mean like let him be a bear yeah from a distance admire him because we don't want to be out here and saying hey do you remember tripod yeah he ate a family (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i i got a i got a prevention you know they say what is it uh an ounce of prevention is worth a whole lot of cure whatever it is yeah here's the deal we call this in the in the business we call this uh, a tripod prevention or a being kind to tripod yes Rather than have him come in and steal your white claws, you just leave a pony on the front porch and and Tripod can do a keg stand. See? I would pay to watch Tripod do a keg stand. (laughs) I'd pay to watch Tripod pour beer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. See? So Tripod could have his own little wildlife party right there on your front porch. Yeah, and you throw some peanuts out there, you'll get some of his friends coming around. You could be a kegger. Just throw a Tripod. Have Tripod. Could be the most popular bear in that forest. There you because go. Because of you guys, you could have squirrels and chipmunks, and you know you throw some peanuts and some maybe you know fruit and other things out there. You'd, rabbits, you'd have yeah. birds, you'd have yeah. Hell, I'd come hang out from a distance. Yeah, I'd hang out. Right, yeah. Bruiser will show up, but you know he'll be like three hundred feet away. Yeah, I'll have a different keg. Yeah, yeah. Bruiser yeah. will bring his own keg. Bruiser uh, always brings. Keg. Bruiser brings his own keg and his own cigar. I do, but I prefer other people to feed me. Yeah, yeah. Beer and cigars. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, that's your new drinking buddy, Tripod, the Florida bear. I'm going to have to look Tripod up, and I'm going to Photoshop a picture of me in there with him. He's a Florida guy, huh? Let me yeah, see. yeah. Let's get Tripod up. Always say goodbye to everybody. See, I got a, I got a, uh, there's a little picture of him right there, Tripod, the Florida bear. Yeah. yeah. There he is right there. So. See, so he's a cute little guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's just. Just humming along, singing a song, taking people's white claws. <laughs> That's him. So that'll do it for today for Supernatural News. Like I said, tomorrow on the show, MJ Dixon, psychic medium, TV personality, and uh, the the uh, 
organizer of Sage Paranormal's event. Um, she will be on the show tomorrow. We'll be talking Supernatural Africa. Nice. Yeah, so we got some. Which has got to have a ton of supernatural stuff down there. Oh yeah, we're going to hear about some interesting uh, new creatures, not only cryptid creatures but ghosts as well and spirits, uh, things you never heard of before. We'll be talking about those tomorrow on the show. Um, what you got going on this weekend? I have the weekend off. I'm just training the youth of uh, wrestling's future. If you want to be a professional wrestler, it's amlwrestling.com/training. Come train with me. I'll, I'll make you. I'll make you a wrestler. There you go. There you go. And I'm, uh, yeah, taking the weekend off to, to recharge and hang out with the pups. There you go. I am, uh, I'm off of uh, KNSI this weekend, so I will be studying up. I'll be reading books and getting ready for the next week of Darkness Radio. That's what I'll be doing this weekend and hanging right. out with the chipmunks. There's not too many weekends left with the chipmunks now. No, we're in fall now. And, but yeah. they they came out late, though, didn't they? They did, but depending on when winter's coming, they have that little internal clock, so that's let true, us know. That's true, that's true. Yeah. You know, by this time last last year, they were in the ground already. Okay. So, well, enjoy the next couple of days you can with them. Yeah. So, I'm thinking that they normally, uh, well, I should say, no, it was middle of October. So, it was, I have about a month left with them. So Are they chunking up yet? Oh, they're already putting away the, the seeds, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, I don't have much time with them, maybe a month. So, yeah, we'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, and uh, the only one who's really attentive now is Spud. Yeah, the other ones are assholes. They just <laughs> they just take my food. I had to I had yeah. to take the seeds and stuff that I leave out for the squirrels and chipmunks around here, and I'd I'd stop doing it because Tank, mm-hmm. the big groundhog, yeah, he'll walk up to my front door and knock now. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Once a week he knocks. For one, he wants to see Ziggy, and for two, he's. <laughs> Wondering where all the free food is. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll so do Mrs. that. Bruce gets creeped out. She she thinks he's going to open the door and walk in. I'm like, yeah, he's not going to do that. <laughs> like no, he's, no, no. He's just he's curious, and you know. Yeah, the, the well, I've told you before at the the old residence, the squirrels when you know intern Yoko was feeding the squirrels before we moved out of the old house because she was pissed off at the old landlord. Um, and the squirrels would get so, you know, they get such good meals that they would knock on the door by seven o'clock at night if they hadn't been fed. Yeah. He comes here once a week, knocks on the door. Yeah. Ziggy walks over and he'll see Ziggy and go around to the back door and Ziggy will run to the back door and it's a little game they play. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, uh, the chipmunks now, if they don't, if they don't get their high quality fruit in a couple of days, they'll take a shit in my chair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they get mad i would start doing that when i don't get fed yeah so take there you go if, if you don't get the food you're liking there bruiser just take a shit in mrs bruiser's dining room chair i'm going to i'm gonna tell her that right when we get done hey what's for dinner oh yeah yeah <laughs> make me something else <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't let her catch you doing it just, and blame it on the dogs yeah i can't do that they're so sweet <laughs> well then i get in trouble because they shit in the house she'll be like why'd you take them outside so I have to take the rap. Well, that's true. I have to figure out what's the lesser two evil. Which which one do we get yelled at less for? Yeah, true. Yeah. But there See, you at least at least shitting on a chair, me doing it, and admitting I do it, I can put the blame on you, put the heat on you. True. Yeah. I what mean, you me, what you, what you gonna do? Yeah. I'll so that's about it. You'll laugh, and we'll be a good time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just say, wasn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure you scotch guard the chair before you do it. Ah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. 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 
But, you know, I, it, it used to be that they would lovingly put blueberries on my chair and just say, hey, look, this." they would safeguard their blueberries by putting them on the chair. Now it's like, listen, old man, we haven't had blueberries in a couple of days. Here's a nice little shit to remind you that we're mad. <laughs> look at our shit. It's not that not that healthy. Come on. Yeah, come on. We want our antioxidants over here. So, yeah, so that's uh, that tells you what little assholes they are. So there you go. So that'll do it for today. Uh, Again, join us tomorrow for MJ Dixon. We'll be talking Supernatural Africa on the show tomorrow. So for Beer City Bruiser, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for joining us today on the best in paranormal programming. You've been listening to Darkness Radio.